What is up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome to an episode of Bloke in a Bar. Currently, Bloke Beer is now on special in every celebrations in New South Wales and Queensland. Get into your local, grab a case of Bloke Lager. It's the best lager in all the land. Also, Bloke Jerseys, currently at a discounted price of $99. That's what we launched at. Next Monday, it'll go up to $120. So if you wanted to get a Bloke Jersey, make sure to head to bloke.shop, grab it before it goes up to $120 next week. Uh, we're sold out of small. We're sold out of 7XL, 6XL, 5XL, 4XL. Uh, and we're getting really low on numbers, guys. So if you are keen to get them, make sure to head to bloke.shop and grab yourself a Bloke jersey. We will not do this design again. Once they're gone, they are gone. But as usual, let's get straight into it, baby. Just a bloke in a bar. What is up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome to another episode of Bloke in a Bar, brought to you by Bloke Beer, the best beer in all the land. But quickly, Bloke jerseys are still currently $99. As of next Monday, so not this Monday, next Monday, they'll go up to $120. So make sure if you've been keen on a Bloke jersey, we've, we've kept it open for as long as we can in regards to the $99 to the Bloke community. Next Monday, it goes up to $120. So we've basically small sold out, 7XL sold out, 6XL, 5XL, 4XL sold out. So if you want a bloke jersey, head to bloke.shop, grab one, $99. As of next Monday, hard cut off, cut off, they will be $120. So make sure if you want to get a bloke jersey, I'm sure you would have seen them everywhere on Magic Round. People absolutely love them. Head to bloke.shop. Also, one week to go before the bloke lager promo in all celebrations ends across New South Wales and Queensland. Get into New Celebrations and ask for Bloke Lager. That's right. In every celebrations across New South Wales and Queensland, Bloke Lager is currently on special. But uh, how was your weekend, boys? It's good, mate. It was uh, good to be home after Magic Round. I enjoyed a bit more of a wholesome weekend. Mm. Family, friends, it was great. Yeah, get the, uh, the sleep in. Relax, chill out, rather than the barely any sleep, stay up all night kind of stuff. I desperately need it. I don't know about you guys, but I desperately needed it. Yeah. What about you, Timmy, mate? Much the same as Guru. It felt like the first weekend with the regional tour to start the season and Magic Round and a stack of other things going on. We would just sit back and relax and recharge the batteries a bit. So, mate, I'm feeling good. What about you? I mean, you'd be feeling... I don't even want to know, to be honest. <laughs> no, nah, I'm, I'm actually much the same. Had a pretty wholesome weekend as well. Uh, I actually got up early on, on Sunday for Mother's Day, sunrise for um, like a walk with my mum and all our family. But in lieu of that, I went to bed at like 8 p.m. last night and woke up at 8 a.m. So I am fresh and ready to go. Fresh and ready to go. We've got a fresh Maddie. No this excuses. Ep- this episode could be anything. <laughs> it could be anything with a fresh Maddie. Uh, now let's get into it though. Accountability brought to you by the great, the great sports bet. The best in the punting business, guys. If you're going to have a punt, you do it with sports bet. Make sure to gamble responsibly. You win some you lose more but let's get straight into accountability because there's a few blokes that are a little bit chirpier this morning (laughs) and there may be a reason why accountability brought to you by the legends our partners at sportsbet storm 24 defeat the broncos 16. i went broncos guru and broncos timmy and maddie went storm and the boy maddie dogs absolute dogs <laughs> that was all pure spite bet so that means that that gets removed uh warriors defeat the bulldogs we all went warriors wow hey what about the warriors getting the job done up the wires panthers defeat the roosters we all went panthers but i don't think we went panthers by 13 plus holy rabbitos defeat the tigers we all went south there was a period there where I was going, oh, man, it could be a crazy upset here. We'll, but we'll get to what I love so much about this game later on. 
Cowboys defeat the Dragons. We all went Cowboys, 42-22. It's getting a little bit nervous there for a bit, but the Cowboys kicked on. Raiders defeat the Eels. Everyone went Raiders. I went the Eels. You're Far sick. out. You got the chockies. Oh, my God. What a joke of a game. Seriously. Refs just robbed us of a win there. <laughs> uh, Knights, 46, defeat the Titans, 26. I went Titans. Guru went Titans. Timmy and Maddie went Knights. Oh, the Titans, they were in it. It was there for them to be won. And talk about not holding your nerve. They just absolutely fell apart. At this point, are you both on a full round? Mm. Next game, Sharks defeat Manly. Surprisingly, Sharks were at Manly's home ground. All three of us went Sharks, but Maddie went Manly, and this is what ruined Maddie's perfect round. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> sucked in <coughs> sucked in the last game of the round ruined your perfect round so Timmy's the winner with well it says another full round has he done more than one full yeah, round yeah two full rounds this year yeah wow so when Timmy goes big he goes big because you're not ahead on the leaderboard or you no, might I, have I am mate I am what is the leaderboard do you well, have... I've written it under there so I don't have the official leaderboard but all three of us all four of us sorry are on either three wins or two wins but I'll, question I'll... marks around this leaderboard I don't know I've got his by one. Well, that's not much of a leaderboard where you, whether you're saying... All, so all three of us are definitely on the same is what you're saying. Well, I think we're all on two and he's on three. He would be on three with this week. No, I think it? you're on three as well, Guru, because you... Shock me. Anyway, I'll get it next week. I didn't have time yeah, to do this yeah. well, Let's call Very it Very dodgy leaderboard. Yeah, what a dodgy... He said it was fresh this week. Yeah. Doesn't have a leaderboard there. Well, I slept in this morning, so... Jesus. <laughs> I'll take three. Wow. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. All right. Now... It is time for Team of the Week. At number one, we went Dylan Edwards. Holy moly. His form has just been so consistent. It's getting to the point where you don't really appreciate it anymore. Mm. He's too consistent for his own good when it comes to those sorts of things. It's bizarre. I mean, he's not in Teddy territory because of Teddy's career, but form-wise, he's in Teddy Teddy territory for me. Well and truly. Yeah. Form-wise. And look, to be fair, he's behind a team that's going really well, top of the table, all those caveats. But I think form-wise, a couple of years ago, if you said Dylan Edwards will be in Tedesco form territory, you would have been absolutely laughed out of the room. Yeah. Now, you'd be a brave man to say that he's not in that form again. Not the same career, but form-wise. Yeah, and while he's behind, obviously, a very, very good team, all the players around him, we have seen him in recent years step up in the origin period when, you know, clear in the wire out and dominate games. So, and that's with, like, significantly weaker sides. And on top of that, we've seen them without Edwards. <coughs> and they don't look anywhere near the yep. side without yep, Edwards. Yep. So he does play a role in it. I've actually had some people, this was last year, this was before, this is when he was early on his run. The, the argument was... Put him in at bottom eight side and he wouldn't go anywhere near those stats. I strongly disagreed then and I strongly disagree now. He's actually the type of player that he's going 200 plus metres, eight tackle breaks a game, any team. He actually suits, like, for example, if you said that about maybe Will Kennedy, I could be like, yeah, Will Kennedy does need good field position to show his great ball skills. Whereas, like, the players that get through 20 to 30 big hit-ups a game, that would be good anywhere. I think if you put Dill in another side, I think his stats would improve because at the moment, the Panthers only let him play through the middle and on the right edge. Yeah. Whereas if he was point. on another side, I reckon he played both sides of the ruck and you'd see even more from Dill. Yeah. I actually think it's the ball-playing fullbacks that rely more heavily on, not to say that Wilkenny couldn't be good somewhere else, but I think it would be more likely Edwards would play a similar game as to, and maybe if Kennedy was somewhere else, he would adjust his game. But right now, the way he plays and the way he fits into the Sharkies, um, 
which is, isn't he so underrated, Kennedy? Yeah. <laughs> he does not get any appreciation. I, I just think with Dill too, before we move off him, like if you go through the last four years of their dominance, he has been the most consistent player out of all of them. Mm. And I cannot hear an argument for anyone else. It's been more consistent. As the, I was in Penrith's most consistent. Penrith's player. most yeah. consistent. Yeah, you'd say that for sure. Him and Cleary, him Cleary, yo, you, that that's the three that I'd be looking at going, you know, week in week out of giving you their best performance. Um, but just quickly on Kennedy, like we always, it's so funny how often you hear the commentators go, "Oh my god," when the 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 Sharkies do their backline play, it is beautiful to watch. It's perfect, and Nico gets a lot of the raps, but. Kennedy rarely gets the raps, but Kennedy's the one at the end of the back line executing the right play. It's the hardest pass because he's got to make that decision. Do I go short or long? Very rarely gets it wrong. Very rarely. Timing. His yeah. timing, yeah. timing the line is perfect every time. Uh, number two, Will Warbrick. Hasn't he just getting better and better and better? Uh, number three, Timoko. Oh, my God. He is a, he's a raging bull of a centre. He is a serious, serious problem for anyone that he goes up against. And a guy that is his age, you know, you normally see these good games every two, three, four mm. weeks. He does it every week without mm. a doubt. Mental, mental. Campbell Graham <laughs> just continues his incredible run of form. Uh, Tane Milne. Tane Milne. How do you say it? Milne. 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 Tane Milne. Uh, mate, he got through a stack of work. It's funny. That energy you saw from him on the weekend you saw the best version of what can happen from that energy. And some weeks with him, we see the worst version of it. It's like, you know, sin bins, head highs. But I think it's like that double-edged sword. You also get games like this where you're going, how much work did this bloke get through? So great um, game for Tane Mill. At number six, and also our hungriest player brought to you by Menulog, it is Kalen Ponga. Wow. What a game. What an absolutely incredible game. And what I love about Kalen, it's been like this for quite a few years, when a big game needs to be played by him, he brings out the big game. Now, I know a lot of Knights fans are going to say, we want to see this all year. We agree. We all want to see this all year. But at least appreciate it when it comes along. And, geez, he was good on the weekend. What do you reckon about Ponga? You almost forget how good it is to watch KP when he's at full flight because yeah. it feels like it has been a while since we've seen it. But and you know we've been saying for a long time that we would have played him at fullback and he's playing five eight. But God, he looked like a fullback. Yeah. Everything he did well in that game, you go like I, I can see him doing that for the Maroons in a couple of weeks, which kills me. But God, he was good. Timmy, yeah, you're waiting for someone to to stand up. But obviously, a very fl- free flowing game, a lot of points in it. That Knights Titans clash, but for some to take it by the scruff of the neck and win it for their side. And that was Kalen Ponga. So you can do all the things in the world and look like a superstar when the side's going well, but who wins matches? Kalen Ponga. And it just shows you, it's very easy because, you know, there's so much media speculation and everything that's happened over the last year for him to forget the silkiness that he has in his game. And there's a reason why he, I mean, he's a game superstar. There's no denying that. But there was reason why he was on trajectory to be the number one back in the game. Mm. Uh, and so hopefully he can hit the, you know, continue playing like this for the next few weeks. The pitchforks were out for him after one bad game. He had a lengthy stint out and a few, obviously the concussion issues. Pitchforks were out for him and he responded like a champion. Yeah, so hopefully he keeps playing this well and also he just showed Origin Selectors, you know, just pumped the brakes a bit on am I done, am I dusted? Uh, but it's a long season as well. So hopefully he can play like this for the rest of the season. And I'm just happy to see Kalen just out there doing what he was born to do. Yep. Um, so really, really good. That's Hungriest Player brought to you by Menu Log. 
So as you guys know, use code PONGA to get $10 off when you spend $30 or more on Menulog. Code PONGA. So if you're getting a feed on Menulog this week, just put in PONGA. If you spend 30 bucks or more, you get 10 bucks off your order. That's incredible. I mean, I'm pretty sure that's a delivery cost. So you basically don't have to go get the feed. You get it free pretty much. They bring it to you. <laughs> Unbelievable. Uh, now to the rest of the, te- the, rest of the game. Uh, sorry, the team. Shawnee Johnson at number seven. <laughs> What a, just again another guy that the pitchforks were out after last year he should retire he should retire and i'll be honest even part of me was like i don't know if sean johnson can get that form back again it's been quite a while now i did understand he had a lot of off-field stuff going on he hadn't been home for a few few years but or he wasn't with his family during that time but geez i expected him to have a good solid season i didn't expect him to be doing this plan like this though I'll be honest, I didn't expect him to have a good solid season. I, I was really worried about SJ coming into the season. What he's done has been tremendous. Three weeks in, I thought Hopgood's definitely going to be my favourite storyline of the year. Mm. Now it's SJ by a mile. Mm. I've been so impressed with what he's done. Uh, and I, I just I, I know the Waz have you know, been unlucky, had a few tough calls, but just watching him all year, it has just been a treat. I, I just love the fact that he has completely changed the yarn around his career of just this electrifying young superstar that can step people to a game managing seven that is could be responsible think about you know when he came into the grade it was his responsibility to almost take a team to a grand final he did that and so this young superstar comes on the scene now he's got the same responsibility but in a different light where he's the veteran that needs to turn a club around a big ship and it seems like he's doing it and to do, have to do both at the at the ends of your like the start and the ends just shows you how good he is. It would have been one of the sorry mate one, one of the great injustices on in rugby league history because I'm with you, Campy. If he finished his career off the back the last couple of years and he hit the skids again this year and this was the end of him, like we all love him, we know mm. what he's done through his career, and we're, we're some of his biggest fans. But you know that the narrative out there would have been, as you said, <laughs> a star rookie, but you know didn't really finish his career well and didn't achieve sort of too much here and there. But to go out and remind people how good he is. Now, mm. other teams, just, there's charity can go into other clubs and people wanting his signature, just reminding people how good he is. And for his legacy, you know, he might have a couple of years left in the NRL. And on current form, he certainly does. It'll do wonders. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, even Benji Marshall did this to a lesser extent. Like, he just put together a one or two solid years. Mm. And it kind of reinvigorated that oh this is how great this guy is sj i'd say is doing it to a bigger even bigger extent i think this year as well is worth noting you know started the season with um tomato martin at six mm. he got injured you know if metcalf was fit he probably would have come in instead they went to dylan walker now mm. they're on volkman like he's had three halves partners in that time the hookers have swapped and changed chance has missed some footy sj's been the only consistent mm. guy yeah. there edge back roles have changed Talking as well harris has missed a heap of footy yeah absolutely absolutely so you know, if the Warriors do turn around, how good is it that Sean Johnson's name is going to be part of the reason for that? Um, we'll get to it later in the this, uh, show. I am a bit surprised that the Warriors are open to him talking to other clubs, but um, they must have some... I mean, there must be a reason for it. He's, uh, he's coming six on the Daly M's at the moment, 22 points. Could you imagine? For example, Cody Walker's on 21. We know how good Cody Walker's been going. So, so good. So imagine good. SJ Daly M. Oh. Mate, oh. just retire... Get your Dally M and just yeah, retire. Yeah. Just go off into the sunset and just seriously. So what else I love is that we're seeing a resurgence of SJ just as RTS is about to walk in. Next year could mm. be special for the Wilds. Oh, mate. It's very exciting times. Um, 
Payne Haas at eight. <laughs> Let me just read you, Payne. Actually, you know what? We'll wait till we get to the game. Wait just read last week's. Yeah, read last week's. But And then add a little bit more onto it. Yeah. Uh, nine, Harry Grant. Just so scary out of dummy half. Ten, Adam Fenor Blake. Seriously, we talk about it every week. But if he was at a Sydney club or a Queensland club, he'd be considered one of the best in the game in front row. Number 11, Scotty Sorensen was absolutely electrifying on the weekend. What an incredible game. Think about the patience he's had to have to have this game. The patience he's had to have to finally get the moment that he kind of deserves. So good. Uh, Helam Lukey. <laughs> like, Cowboys' ability to develop back rolls at the moment is shocking. I mean, we had a guy come off the bench last week. It was a Konfuki? Kafuki? Mm-hmm. Um Apologies if I'm misremembering that. Um, but yeah, Lukey, seriously, he's playing so well that. So you've got Lukey on one edge. Who's on the other edge again? Jack Goals at the moment. Jack Goals. And he's going right as well. Do more. But, and then obviously got Leilua, whatever's going on with him. But can you imagine a prime Nanai, a prime Lukey on your edges? That is, that's up there with like the best back rows in the comp. Lukey anyway. is destined for rep on Oh, my God. That try where he stepped, palmed, bumped, scored. For a guy, like, what is he, six foot five? <clears throat> He's huge. And he moves like that? Amazing. Uh, Isaiah Yo at 13, <laughs> victim of his own consistency. He was absolutely outstanding. Number 14, Jerome Loy, incredible on the weekend. And just put the brakes on, I think, there's there's this huge push for Nico Hines, and I understand. And there was probably one week where I was like, you know what? I think Nico Hines may have jagged that six spot. I wasn't fully convinced. My my argument has always been: you start game one six seven Cleary Luai, you put Hines at fourteen. I think on the weekend, as long as he comes out and plays well the next weekend, Luai may have put a stop to that just I, for that point. I was pretty much convinced on Hines, mm. and then sat there on Friday night and just <laughs> went shit. I'm back to square one. <laughs> I know. It's, yeah. well, it's, and it's not just about the individual performance. It's about the fact that the Penrith Panthers absolutely tailed up the Roosters. And that's a, that's a combination. That's not just Cleary doing that. Yeah. He, yeah. What, like, what a statement game. Mm. And I was the same as Guru. I'm, I'm still in Team Nico for Blues 5-8, but a game like that against the Roosters who, despite their attacking <coughs> sort of deficiencies this season, their defence had been pretty good. Mm. And to put, what, 46 on them oh. was unbelievable. So, Luai, as I said, players standing up when you want them to couldn't have done a better job. Absolutely. Number 15, Tarpanair. Uh, the Raiders, I thought he was outstanding, especially in that second half. For Fida, wow. Uh, Nikora uh, at 17 from the Sharkies. That's the team of the week. That's the team of the week, baby. All done and deuced. Brought to you by, well, I'll just say menu log, but really, it's just brought to you by us. <laughs> <laughs> Brought to you by SC Playbook. Give uh, SC Playbook one there we go. Instagram or give him a follow. SC Playbook one on Instagram and the Rugby League Guru on Instagram. <laughs> Make sure to give him a follow. Now let's get into the game, shall we? Just before we start, breaking news and it's official. Craig Bellamy has re-signed for next year. I didn't think he was retiring. Nah. I just, like, I did not. The Storm are too... Like, obviously, people will look at the Cam Smith situation in regards to he took quite a while to retire. But a coach, you just can't – you can't afford to wait that long and then just go, oh, yeah, retiring. Because you're, or recruitment, everything changes. Whereas uh, Cam Smith had the cheese and Harry Grant. 
ready to take over. So he had time to go, you know what, like if I do bounce, it's in good hands. I think we could be having this same conversation for three years. Yeah, I'm with you. Yeah. Yeah, I I, I, I mean, we have been. We have been already having this conversation. Naturally, there was like a lot of media speculation around it, but if he was actually going to retire and like, not saying he wasn't genuinely considering it, but there would have been so much more smoke around of he's going to go, he's going to go. It was always like, he's not going. And you know what? Even if he was to win a premiership, I think then he would go, I haven't won two in a row. (laughs) (laughs) I'll go again. I I personally think that he wants to win a premiership with this new block of of players. I think that is his goal. Because that would just be... Because the the one knock, knock, in quotation marks, because he's the one that developed them, so it's like, how could you knock it? He's like, oh, well, look at the spine that you had for that, that long period. If he could go out and do it again with a whole new generation, a whole new... Just amazing. And that's the thing when you're talking about the greatest coaches of all time, the reality is you have to look at what they haven't done mm. to be able to separate them. And I think that's probably the one thing standing in Craig's way at the, at the moment. Yeah, one, th- that and obviously other clubs winning premierships. I think yep. that's the, the one thing that Bennett has on a lot of other co- uh, coaches is the success at other clubs. Yep. Uh, but, I mean, is, are we really sitting here saying Bellamy wouldn't have been successful at the club? He did it at Melbourne. In Melbourne, a non-rugby league state. You reckon he couldn't do that at Brisbane? <laughs> Yeah, imagine what he would have attracted at Brisbane or at yeah. the Roosters and players to come there. Yeah, I think he would have had a lot of success at any club that he went to. Uh, Storm defeat the Brizzy Broncos 24-16. I spoke a little, about, a little bit about this on uh, Packer Up Boys on Friday. Um, so I'll let Guru take the floor. What do you think of this game, mate? I, uh, I haven't listened to Packer Up Boys. I'm not sure what your takes were on it, to be honest with you. But um, I went into this game wanting to know if the Broncos were flat track bullies to mm. be honest with you if they would compete with you know a side that I consider to be a definite top eight side in Melbourne and um, <clears throat> I know they lost but I was pr- pretty impressed with Brisbane considering Adam Reynolds went down in the 15th minute uh, for them to hang in this game I thought they did really well I thought Reese Walsh copped a little bit on social media and he had a bit of a mixed bag game but man, I just love how Reese Walsh is always trying to win the game of football mm. he's never sitting back he, if there's you know like I thought that one-on-one strip that he went for like he is he's just genuinely always trying to win the game of football mm. doesn't all go his way there was even that moment towards the back end where he tried to scoop the ball up they knocked on like in that moment Reese Walsh saw the ball on the ground and went I can go the length here mm. like, I can win this game for my football team here and I love that about him uh, I I'm pretty happy with the Broncos' performance in this one. All things considered, three sim innings they had. Two, oh, well, yeah, three, but three, two, really. That two, two, the yeah, the one, yeah. And then Adam Reynolds gone. I thought Brisbane did pretty well in this one. Timmy? Yeah, I like He would probably came out maybe harsh to say, but more, more impressed with the Broncos for everything that went against them. And, I mean, things went against the Storm as well in the first half. You, you mentioned Reese Walsh there, and particularly where, where he went for that one where he tried to go the flyer late on the, and scoop the ball. <clears throat> like that was chasing points with a handful of minutes to go. If the game was tight or it was early in the game, I reckon you know he just grabs it and tries to stick tight. <sighs> You'll get to it very shortly, I'm sure, Kempy. But there's just so many different things that impacted this game between mm. sin bins, uh, some controversial calls, the Reynolds injury. That I'm like, I don't think we got a true insight to the to either side in this game. I sort of left it going I didn't learn much about them except for Brisbane's resilience mm. because of all things Guru just mentioned I, I, they did impress me yeah it, you're right like my take is it's very hard to take a lot away from this mm. game other than 
Storm showed resilience in t- in patches, which uh, we all know Storm can do. So mm. it's like, well, that's no surprise. Yeah. It's a Melbourne Storm. But I do think the question heading into this game was, what is Broncos' resilience like? What are they like under the pump, under a good against a good side? And I think they did really, really well. Lost Reynolds, Sinbin, uh, Herbie Farmworth, Sinbin, Paddy Carrigan. Uh, you know, not two small players. These are two extremely important players. Um, the refing was just, just was not, it just wasn't good enough. It just was not at an NRL standard. You know, the, the Reese Walsh one, although I don't think it should be a shoulder charge, I don't think, I don't know what fullbacks are supposed to do in that situation. It, it has been a shoulder charge for quite a while now. Um, I hope, I hope that this is the standard that we're setting though for the rest of the year where we go, okay, look, when it comes to tuck, cover field tackles, as long as there's no malice and they're not fully tucking their arm, just let them fling their bodies at them and try and stop the try. Um, then obviously the Harry Grant penalty try was just, it was ridiculous, like absolutely ridiculous. We have to stop. We won't. We have to stop showing these things in slow-mo yep. because you show them in slow-mo, you create an illusion of time to think. Harry Grant didn't have any time to think. He was literally just trying to kick that ball out. Meanwhile, Herbie Farmworth was jockeying the ball as well. So it's like, what do you want Harry Grant to do in that situation? Is he supposed to jockey until Herbie Farmworth jumps on the ball and scores? No, he had no option. Now, I'd get it if he came directly from behind, shouldered into his back or pushed from the side. Wasn't that at all. It was his legs that tripped him over and him trying to kick the ball. So I thought that was a really bad call, which again, showed Storm's resilience. They didn't drop their bundle. They, they hung in there. Uh, so... I am actually more, I guess, you know, that we had the same, I guess, feeling around this, the Broncos for this year. Is like, are they just beating sides that aren't playing that well? I am closer to, I genuinely could see them challenging for a premiership than I was, the, you know, last week. I'm still not 100%, 100% there yet. I think, obviously, this week will be a really good telling. Does it? We don't have to go out and beat the Panthers, not we, but the Broncos don't have to go out and beat the Panthers. Uh, but if they show resilience like that again, then I go, yeah, I think I probably think we can make a bit of a run for the finals. And when Cam Munster scored that first try, and like you could see Money and Grant were on, I sort of went, oh, okay, this this will be a huge test for Brisbane. Then Adam Reynolds left the field, and I sort of went, oh, how much can I take from this game now, realistically? But as you said, the way that they hung in, it really impressed me. And mm. I'm the same. I, I knew last week they were a top eight side, but being a top eight side and a premiership contender, mm. there's a gaping hole between those two in this competition. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I agree. They, they've <coughs> pushed closer towards, like for me, if they would have beaten a bottom eight team for 40 points to nil, that wouldn't have done what this game's done for me. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Because it's a storm at home. They've got a terrible record. And Paddy Carrigan doesn't get sent off they may have won the game without Adam Reynolds, yeah. which is crazy to think in this. Now, look, that's very wishful thinking. You know, the Storm could have gone on to still win it. But, um, yeah, it's, it, it feels harsh on Storm, though, because you're like, Storm won the game. You know, and they had some real rough calls. Xavier Coates, no try. Um, that was one of the great tries all year. Gets disallowed. Yeah. We use a video ref for everything. <coughs> and then the one time he just needs to wait Five seconds. Just give it five seconds, then use the video rep. He doesn't. Tw- yeah. 20 minutes into the game, I was sitting there going, far out. Look, Brisbane have been kissed on the pecker in this one. Like, there was the the shoulder, shoulder charge that wasn't given with Walsh. Mm. You always say, Kempi, like, you can understand when the referees get it wrong in real time, but when it goes to video ref, <coughs> and they look at it, look at it, look at it, and still get it wrong. 
I could be wrong. I don't think there was a word mentioned about shoulder charge when they were reviewing that Reese Walsh in the corner. And just like you, mate, I'm the same. I would love for that to be the norm and that for them to be consistent with that. But every day of the week, that's a shoulder charge in what they've given in the past. Yeah. Uh, so there was that, and then there was the uh, Harry Grant penalty try, and you're thinking, oh. And then out of nowhere, just the script flipped big time around. Yeah. Then the Broncos copped a heap of poor decisions, which goes back to like, how much can you really take from this game in terms of you know making a, a judgment on either side? Wasn't it wild how you know we we saw the replay of Justin O'Lamb charging that ball down or hitting it down, and then you had um, Xavier go the length and. No result came out of that, but when Warbrick scored that try, we went all the way back oh. to make sure that Xavier's toe was offside in that moment from 40 metres to the side. I, I could not believe that one. Yeah. That was, can be you, another one. You always say, hey, they're looking for reasons yeah. not to give a try. That could have been the best example of it I've <laughs> ever seen. It, it was so late they went for the review to find the toe over. It's like, what are you doing? Yeah, what are we doing here? What are we doing? It's just, I don't understand... The officiating should be to facilitate a game of rugby league, not dictate a game mm. of rugby league. And we, I think we have changed from yesteryear where the refs felt like they were there to facilitate, play rugby league, and I'll just keep you within the lines so you can play rugby league. I think nowadays it's genuinely to dictate the game. No, we want the game played the way we want to. So, for example, if I'm a ref that likes a slower-paced game, I'm going to blow a million penalties. If I'm a ref that likes a free-flowing game, I'm just going to let things go. And it's just like you should not be the centre of attention. I shouldn't be watching rugby league and be constantly looking at the referee going, oh, my God, oh, my God. It should be up to the – and then some people go, well, if the ref doesn't step in, then teams are going to lie in the ruck or they're going to do this. That used to be the coach's responsibility to identify it and respond and go, they're lying in the ruck, so we'll lie in the ruck. And then, you know, they're doing this, so we'll do this. And and vice versa. We'll do this tactic, so they'll do this tactic. Whereas now, the refs just completely dictate the game. Like, however the ref wants the game to be played, that's how the game is going to be played. Well, the, the best referee in the game is probably the one that you don't hear anything about, isn't it? Yeah. Why, in origin, do we, like, barely ever complain about refing? Mm. And the game is so free-flowing, we let so much go, and we allow players, you know, the teams... To diff like, for example... Game one, like Freddie came out and said, "Oh, you know they were really good at holding down the ruck." So what he, so what they did was they came back game two, and try to combat that. And it, I just, I don't understand how we can get it so right in Origin. Then during Clubland, we just get it so so wrong so many times. Um, it just, like my brother's, he's he watches rugby league every now and then. Not not a like a dedicated diehard fan, but he's like, this is unwatchable. Like I don't even want to watch. The, I was excited about this game. I don't want to watch it anymore. I don't want to watch anymore. Yeah, in this game too, like this should have been like, if you have a look at the Dalian leaderboard at the moment, three of the top players are in this game and it was completely ruined. Just on that too, the Broncos have played 11 games this year. They haven't had a buy yet. That means that throughout their games, there's been 132 <coughs> Dalian points up for grabs. Mm. Walsh and Payne Haas have got 54 of them. That's 40% of the Dalian votes that have been available. Those two have got <laughs> in those games. Far out. There's 34 players competing for those points every week, and they've got 40% of them in the first 11 weeks. One of them's a front rower. Front rower. He's so incredible. So He's incredible. leading the Dally M points by five. And I, I know the system's obviously changed and whatnot, but Harry Grant's coming second on 25. Payne Haas is on 30. 
Yeah, it's amazing. It seriously is amazing. What, what, especially what Payne had. Like Reese Walsh, it's he's had an incredible year. Just such a, an attacking weapon. Uh, but Payne Haas right now, he's just on another level, on another planet. And like the more you think about it, Payne Haas on 30 daily end points, his fullback's stolen a heap of points off him and he's still leading by a heap. Like if Reese Walsh isn't playing those games, he's probably leading by <laughs> some crazy margin. Mm. Um, yeah, so I don't know what else to say about the referees, guys. That was just not up to NRL standard, in my opinion. Ended up being like, I think it was like 28 penalties if you include the six against. Oh. It is just... I just feel like this year, specifically, and I understand that they're getting all these directives and it's getting harder and harder, the game's getting faster. Well, it was the NRL's decision to make the game faster. So give them the tools to be able to handle it better. You know, they took a ref away to make sure... Yeah, anyway, it, just not good enough. Just not good enough. I think the refing has not been... You know, we've had seasons where that haven't been that great and we say this this isn't that great of a season because we've got four teams are going to win it and the rest of <laughs> no chance I'd, I'd make an argument that the refing hasn't been great overall this season I, I really think it needs to improve um and i'm not sure how you do that though oh, i've got no idea how you do it but i mean that's the other frustrating thing i think too that well, the on-field refereeing hasn't been great but i think the video referee and all that's been worse oh yeah when i say refing i'm talking video ref and ref. both yeah, yeah. but i like i i just i don't Refereeing on field, I can understand when we get that wrong and when it's not perfect, and I can accept that. But when you send it upstairs and you get to have a look at something X amount of times, I, just, I don't understand how we consistently get it wrong so much. It's mind-blowing. Mm. Yeah. It, it just... <laughs> I want to get angry, but I'm just like, what's the point? What's the point? Yeah. yeah. We'll be yelling and ranting and raving for every podcast this for the rest of the year. And it's yeah. like, you don't come here to, to hear that. You don't come on to listen to a bloke to hear us blowing up about the refs every week. But just... I guess just so we know, so you know, we agree with you. The refs have not been good enough this year, and it's not just this game. We'll touch on it slightly in other games, but some of the calls in the other games, you're just sitting there going, "I do not get it," and the inconsistency. Carrigan gets sent for ten, so Broncos essentially, as soon as he gets sent to ten, you go, Broncos have lost the game. Then he doesn't even get charged. Make it make sense. And and what and, and what do you what do you say to the Broncos faithful and take care of the Broncos? We've all all of us that support teams have had it happen to them. Do you say, oh sorry about that? Got that one wrong. Ten in the bin, not a penalty, which we all can live with. It's like all right, a penalty, whatever. Ten in the bin, and then doesn't even get charged. I was shocked when the NRL and you know I I agree. I don't think Pat Carrigan should have got ten in the bin, but I was shocked when the NRL came out and admitted that. I thought they just lie. doubled down. Please lie. Yeah. For God's sake, lie for the good of everyone. Give him a fine and, and just like, so you can look, yeah, yeah, we still believe it. But to come out and go, no, nah, it wasn't anything. Yeah. Oh, thanks for that. We just lost our main play for 10, 10 minutes. Just craziness. And as so said, we've said before, Kempi, but with these hip drops and all that, right, just penalise him in the game. And then if you want to suspend him for a few weeks, so be it. Just don't ruin the contest by simbing him every single time it happens. Yeah. If it's bad enough, <coughs> sweet, simbing them. But yeah. for the super minor ones like that, like a joke, he said he wasn't even charged. Just do the damage off the field, not in the game. Yeah. I think that for the ones that you can clearly see like, oh, shit, that's a if bad... It's bad hit, enough, sure. But boom, get him off there. But ones where, you know... Anyway. <laughs> um, we'll talk about the Storm. I thought this is a really good win for the Storm. Really important. They did show, you know, they had some howler calls against them. Absolute howlers. If every call, every, if every 50-50 call went their way, 
there's a chance they win this game, you know, 30 to 16. And it looks a little bit mm. – the fact that it was 24-16, I, I wouldn't say it flatters the Broncos at all because as they also got some really sh- shitty calls. But I do think that – let's say, for example, Xavier Coates, if he gets that try, that's 30. Then yep. if uh, Warbrook's try, mm. it's 36 or, 30, let's say, 34. Yep. And I, I – I, I'm glad for both sides in this fact that, you know, obviously Storm won, but that would have made Broncos look like they got touched up down there when in reality, if you watched the game, you'd know that, no, well, actually it was a really tight contest. So I think it's a really good win for Storm. I think that even though it's a really good win, it's just so hard to take anything away from it because what do you, do you say they can go with a young explosive forward pack? Yeah, for sure. But when Carrigan... Uh, Haas and Flegg were all rolling forward. They were struggling to hold, handle them. But then you go, well, who won the match? Um, I thought Christian Welsh was really good. Uh, Harry Grant, um, Munster were fantastic. I thought Holmes had a really good game. So it's just it's a good stepping stone towards becoming a top four side, I think, for the, the Storm. What do you think of the Storm? Yeah, I think Storm were the better side. Um, obviously, had a, had a few things go against them. I, I personally think you summed that up really well, Kempi. I don't know how much to take out. Yeah, it is what it is sort of game. Um, yeah, I, I don't know what more to take from it. Two good sides went head-to-head. It was an absolute disaster how it all played out, but two teams that played good footy and are going to feature come September. Yeah, and I, th- I think for Storm fans, I think it would be really relieving to go, oh, okay, like, you know, we're still in this. We're still in this. Whereas I think if they come down and, you know, Broncos do them at home, where something like that hasn't happened in how many years, I think Storm fans would be alarmed because, like, then it's like, oh, my God, now we're getting beaten at home by the Broncos. Something that, what, it's like 10 years hasn't happened. Um, I thought Katoa was good as well. 172 metres, 20 runs, 76 post contact. Um, I think he's growing. Like, he's really growing into his role. Uh, I, do, I do think, though that they do struggle with a, a very big explosive forward pack through the middle there, which is surprising because you'd look at the Roosters forward pack. Roosters forward pack probably not as mobile, I'd say. The big boys aren't as mobile as, as the Broncos forward pack. So I wonder, it'd be interesting to see how they go against a Penrith Panthers explosive forward pack. Obviously the Rabbitohs they struggled again and the Rug Rabbitohs have got a, quite a laterally good forward pack, even though... like. Their big boy, Tom Burgess, he's not coming off the bench. So that's how kind of fast-paced their forward pack is. Um, but, yeah, really, really, really good win. And good to see Munster and Grand and Hughes stand up when they need to. There's a scary moment here where Nass, I thought he was injured. Mm. I sort of thought uh, – I, I think you said it via yeah. text. sort of went, oh, no. If he goes, they're in some serious – especially coming into the origin period. But yeah. thankfully he was all right. It was So he's got, I, I believe, it's rib cartilage. So we know they can play through that and get needled up and <coughs> it often becomes a pain tolerance thing and it can go at any sort of point. But, yeah, around all those reasons you said about the four-pack Kempe, if Nass does go, like real danger signs, as long as he's there and playing 50 to 55, he can be that impact for them. But they need him. I thought Will Warbrick's really starting to warm to the NRL. It was mm. a bit of a slow start. There's a lot of hype around him, and he, you thought, oh, is he there or not? He's been good the last few weeks. Mm. Just strong, athletic body. He's becoming a really good finisher, so loving what I'm seeing there. And he, you can see that he's kind of getting more confident in, in when he needs to chime in and when he shouldn't chime mm. in. I think initially... He's probably used to union where the wingers just stay out there and when they're needed, they get called on. Whereas I think he's finding that perfect balance of like, all right, I can come in for a run. It might be mid-set, 
you're allowed to come in for a run, bro, just yeah. as long as you let everyone know, let the Senate so they keep their width. Um, and so Warbrick's going to be really interesting to see because obviously a Kiwi. Yep. If he keeps his form up, he, he may be in conversations for the Kiwi side. And I think also, you know, from watching him in Queensland Cup last year, like when you take him to that level, he just was too big and too yeah, strong. Yeah, too big and too strong. So yeah. he dominated that and sort of was able to do it pretty easy. And I think the transition into first grade um, hasn't been easy for him, but I think now he's starting to find his feet, which is, you know, that's the trans- that's how the transition should look. Yeah, absolutely. If anything, he's ahead of schedule because yeah. it's, what, a year he had in reserve grade? Yeah. And he's already impacting games like this. You know, imagine in another two or three years. We always talk about it takes it takes a while to. I mean, think about your own job. You, you serve apprenticeships for four years, then you get your ticket, then it takes you another. Think about five years after that, how much more you know. All these little things that you can't explain in a book, no one can teach it to you. You've got to experience them to know what's going on. And I think we're seeing that Warbrick. Uh, yeah, outside of that. Well, I mean, I feel sorry for Xavier, and I said this the other day, you know, for a while now I've, I've been quite, not negative, because we're not really negative here on Bloke, but just, I guess, concerned about Xavier and whether he would reach his potential at the Storm currently. He hadn't really hit the ground running the way we thought he would at the Storm, and he has had quite a few injuries. Then he goes and does this, like, absolutely phenomenal try, and you go, there's that potential we're talking about. We're talking about a beast of a player fending blokes out sprinting blokes and he gets it taken from him and you're just like oh poor bloke he can't he cannot catch a break oh i know that billy slater obviously would have seen that and would have taken note of it regardless but it felt like one of those moments that if that would have been a try and it would have got replayed five and six times you go is he back on the radar yeah is he back yeah is he sweet is he and good i know that slater still saw it still saw how it all played out he was at the game or not but for me in that moment i sort of went God, that's unlucky in so many ways. So many ways. Like the highlight reel for the rest of the season won't be cited. Yeah, well, you'll never see it again. Yeah. Uh, and it was just like seriously like semi-road rider kind of stuff. Yeah. It was unbelievable. So, um, yeah, this is such a hard game because it's like great win from the Storm. <coughs> I, I do think people will need to make sure to show there's so much focus on the two sin bins from the Broncos that not enough people are focusing on penalty tries, tries disallowed, two tries disallowed for the Storm, and they're not giving Storm enough credit for their resilience. Mm. Even though, as I said, I understand Broncos are a player off. That's three three tries. Like, that's a, so what's that? 16-point turnaround. And they hung in the game and they won it. And they won it convincingly in the end. So I think that deserves wraps for that. Uh, the Broncos, real quick, we've already kind of spoken about it. Uh, Payne Haas, he is just... Um, he's an inc- absolutely incredible and obviously he's got some stuff going on personally at the moment so we're sending him our, our best wishes um, but he was outstanding on the weekend absolutely I said to Matty as we walked in today I said as you look at all these Queenslanders at the moment they're all in career best form doing unbelievable things I said to Matty I don't really feel like we've got anyone that's in absolute <laughs> career best form and I completely forgot about Payne he is without a doubt in career best form And he's right yet now. to have his origin stage yeah. happen yet. Like he's played origin, obviously. But I, I even, so kind of ironic, when he came into that first origin, and remember how I think he was smiling on the field or something, and, and, and I, I just, the media got to run a hold of it, and, mm. you know, he wasn't passionate enough. And I, I can understand that. If you look the way he played, he maybe wasn't aggressive enough. I mean, we're forgetting that he was like 19 years old. But... Um, and then he gets in that stink with Tino and you're going, okay, he gets it now. He gets it now. Now, I think that he 
there's a very good chance he's player of the series, in my if opinion. If we win, I think he'll be right up there. Because the form that he is in at the Bron- like he is unstoppable. And with us at the moment, like we're not going to have a home game until game three, so we're going to have to win one of Adelaide or Suncorp. Mm. And he is the best front rower in the Blues team by a country mile. Best front row in the game by a country mile at the moment. Yeah. He may honest. never play a bad game in his career. I don't want to put the mocker on the yeah. poor bugger, <laughs> but... Like, just the style of play he has, because he's such a high work rate, he's got a good offload on him, it's just all doing the hard yards. I just can't see him playing a bad game. I know. And he's got such a good attitude on the field. Yeah. Like he just never, ever gives in. And, and also, I love... How many times do you see genetically gifted athletes that come through the grades and their genetics make it so it's so easy, they've got the terrible attitude. They get into first grade, but because they're so genetically gifted... They still managed to make it work. He's got the attitude of like Shane Webke. Obviously, you know, I'm not saying that he's as tough as Shane Webke, but when it comes to getting through work, he's got that attitude of Shane Webke, but the ability of Lazo, make name it. Name your name your best front row ever. Payne has has his ability and maybe more. I, I genuinely think he's he's just about the only front row ever that when you see the Broncos and the opposition makes a break and they run for 60 or 70 metres, he's the only front row forward I've ever seen that's consistently back in the line yeah. every single time. And it's something that we don't talk about enough because we're just so used to Payne doing it. But if you took any other front row forward and did that, we would comment on it every single week. Every time. 27 runs, 243 metres, 75 post contact, eight tackle breaks, a line break, Three offloads, 30 tackles, zero misses, zero errors. 64 minutes, 62 minutes. The thing that excites me a lot about this Origin Series, especially with Payne Haas coming up, is that for me, he's going to be the leader of our of our 64 minutes. middle forwards. And he's going to come up against eight Queensland forwards who are just about in career best form mm-hmm. right now. And I cannot wait oh. to watch Payne rip in. As I said, I, I, I think I'm getting close to... Feel, I just feel a moment happening for Origin for Haas this year. There's just something in the air where, as you said, eight, eight forwards in the career best form, they're going to be hunting Haas. Like, I don't know, for some reason I can see him have this moment where he takes on a few people or something, 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 uh, which breaks me hard as a Queenslander, but he's undeniable. Every team, every team watches the same video and every time he goes out there and tells me, it's incredible. Um, Paddy Carrigan, once again, Phenomenal in uh, your 71 minutes, 221 metres. They're just that, – that Broncos, like, trio, and also uh, Tapua and Jensen, like, when they get on that roll, they're just unstoppable. They're just un- – they're too big, too strong, and too mobile. Um, Hasn't Tapua just been a really <laughs> underrated signing? So underrated. And also, I thought he was going to come and make it about him in regards to, like, I'm a really good offloader and – but he, he does exactly what the team needs every time he gets on the field. Yep. Doesn't offload all the time, mm. doesn't step and crab across the field. He just gets quick play the balls, gets through his work, gets off. Oh, I think he's been – he's probably one of the most underrated signings of the year. And credit to Marty. I, I'll be honest with you. I, I didn't think he was going to be able to play that role. I really didn't. Um, and for him to come in and just fit in and do – Marty just had to do what the Broncos needed him to do, and he's absolutely nailed it. So credit to him. Great to see him and also Tommy Flegler over that origin period, two weeks away from when Brisbane will be missing <coughs> Carrigan and House. Yeah. They're two players who are going to have to step up big time for them. Yeah. Not even on those weeks where, where they're off due to origin, but the weeks after origin where they 
they don't want to have to have Carrigan and Hass back up and play 65 minutes. They want them to play 40 minutes and give them a bit of a rest or in a perfect world, rest them from the game post-Origin. Yeah. Like, they're sitting well enough on the ladder that maybe they can, but it'll be up to these blokes to step up and fill the void for them. Flegler ran for 121 metres and made 41 tackles You're in the so front row. Big, 66 minutes. 66, like, these... Oh, I'm so devastated losing him. And also, if you wanted an example of when I talked about refs dictating the game rather than rather than facilitating the game mm. here is your perfect example it's the 77th minute there's a bit of a push and shove yes he did tell them if they push and shove again someone's going and he sends them off pretending the bin the game was over no like there could be no effect at all if that isn't a pure i'm just like it looks like a power trip like what tell me how the, it was a little bit of a push and shove it didn't affect the game and you send them for 10 how does that like if you did it at the 10 minute mark in the game i can understand it because you're sending a message of this is the standard that's been set in this game if you do it again blah blah blah. it's the 77th minute there is no standard that needs to be set the game is over that's craziness would you submit it in origin absolutely <clears throat> not it was a little push and shove yeah like we're playing rugby league here we're playing rugby league and as i said if you did it in the first 10 minutes and let's say in the f five minutes there was a push and shove and he pulled everyone aside, he said, next one does it goes and you did 10 minutes, I would have said 100%. Look, I don't agree with it. I don't think you should be sending blokes for pushing and shoving, but the standard was set and he told them. The 77th minute, it means nothing. The game is over and you're sending them off like they're naughty little boys to the corner. <laughs> like it is, that, please can someone explain to me what the benefit of that was? No, I've got nothing, mate. Like, <laughs> what? That, that push and shove that got sent for 10. Okay, okay, cool, cool. 12 on 12. You told them, you told those naughty little boys <laughs> they'll never do it. Like, come on, man. Like, that's ridiculous. Ridiculous. <laughs> Jeff Toovey over here. Oh, it's got to be an investigation. <laughs> <laughs> come on. That was nearly word for word. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my bad, my bad. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. But, like... Penne getting sent to the bin for that? And then Flegler like, what? It's just like, it's the 77th minute. <laughs> like if that wasn't an example of you just doing it to do it, I don't know what is. Like, I, but there has to be a reason, when you're refing a game in my opinion, and look, I'm not a ref, so I have no experience. And I do feel sorry for the refs that, you know, are working their ass off to do the right thing and, and get the right calls. But when refing, there should be a method to what you're doing like why am i doing this okay so why would i send these guys 10 in the bin with three minutes to go for a little push and shove well it's not to set a standard this the game's over anyway oh man before we do move off the broncos uh they've obviously put themselves in a pretty good spot here that, like they're coming off a disappointing loss they're second on the ladder um and they're one of the five teams that hasn't had a buy yet yeah three buys to come so sitting in a good spot brisbane mate if they beat the panthers uh next weekend like, I'd still say Panthers are favourites, but all oh, they sit in a good spot there. Where is that? Is that, is is that, that Brizzy? Is in Brizzy? Yeah. I can't wait to see Reese Walsh in this one. Yeah, it is Thursday night. Uh, like, he yeah. came out so rapid in that game on the weekend. Yeah, he and did. just The second half, like, looked like he went quiet, as Goose said. He copped a little bit of flack. He had very few opportunities in that second half. Like, he looked good. I mean, he still had... He had a try assist, 20 runs, 182 metres... Six, six tackle breaks, a line break, a line break assist, two offloads, four tackles, zero misses. Um, 
And I, I loved the, the braveness that he's showing as well in defence. You know, that's a part of his game that definitely needed improving. Mm. I think he has improved that. I really do. Um, the, the attack, attack, attack. It's like what I said last week. As long as the rest of the team are okay with it and are willing to defend the errors, then sweet. But if the team is telling him, mate, you just got to rein it in a little bit, then I, you know, that's what happens. Um, as Tim just said, you know, Reese Walsh next week, Indigenous round at Suncorp against oh. the defending premiers. How good. Yeah. It does, the stage doesn't get much bigger during the year yeah. um, outside of Origin. Now, on to the Bulldogs versus the Warriors. Uh, oh. I think this is more, what an incredible win by the Warriors. The Bulldogs, what I'm liking, again, I, we said it last week, don't get panic stations. Be patient. Yes, they're at the bottom, towards the bottom of the table, but they've got so many injuries. But the beauty about this period for the Bulldogs is they're going through a bit of pain because they've got so many injuries. But there are so many young guys that before their time are going to be playing first grade. And... You look at the Broncos a few years ago. A few of those boys, I reckon, made debuts probably a year or two early. But we've got now we've got 23, 24-year-old forward packs that are dominating other forward packs. And I just look at the Bulldogs and I go, you know, even the, the bloke on the wing, I thought uh, Blake Wilson, I thought he was outstanding. Um, oh, there was another guy. Um, all these mates, did he mess, they message you as well? Uh, Harrison Edwards. So a few weeks ago, we were like giving the Bulldogs a compliment about um, <coughs> saying, look at all these young guys. We don't know who they are and they're ripping in a tearing. Yeah. Um, and then I said like, Harrison Edwards, like no disrespect. I, I don't know who he is. And I said, Guru, do you know? You said no. And I said, well, fuck if Guru doesn't know who he is. And <laughs> anyway, so Harrison scores a try on the weekend. And most of the boys that were messaging, it was just a bit of banter. Yeah. They were like, oh, do you know who he is now? <laughs> so, uh, most of it was banter. There were some Derricks, though, that were like, oh, don't disrespect him. I was like, bruh, <laughs> we're giving him a rap. <laughs> but, yeah, all these, all these mates messaged, like, literally would have been, like, maybe 10 of them at, as soon as he scored. Do you know who he is now? I was like, bruh, like, come, come on. Like, come on. I was giving them a rap. Um, it was funny because I was, I was sitting at home watching it and I, because I, I got the bloke account on my phone yeah. too, so I saw these messages come up one by one by one, and I, and I knew you were in Byron as well. And I'm like, oh, good luck. Yeah, good just luck trying to enjoy yourself in Byron. <laughs> nah, as I said, most most of it was just friendly banter. It wasn't as I, there was only one or two that just carried like, my god, mate. My Shout god. out to him though. Sixty eight minutes he played. He uh, had a red hot crack, mm. and and look at his tackle count. Forty eight tackles, only one miss. <clears throat> Wow. And a try. Good on him. Um, What's his name again? Harrison Edwards. <laughs> 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 um, so yeah, as I said, most most of the boys is banter. It was great. They love the podcast. Um, but but again, to our point that we were saying back then, without the joke, uh, this is this is a painful period because you got guys like Harrison, like uh, Blake Wilson, that. Probably wouldn't be debuting this soon without all these injuries, but they are debuting and look at the promise they're showing. And I mean, like, you, you just listed guys that probably shouldn't have debuted yet. Jacob Preston's one of those guys, but because yeah. he's done so well, we're just used to him being a regular first grader. Yeah, like he's just a first grader yeah, now. He's just one, he's swapped edges and no one's even spoken. Yeah. About. And, you know, to further our point <laughs> in regards to what we're saying with these young guys that maybe are a year or so earlier, Gus Gould was saying on the footy show the other day, like, we are just trying to get our cap in the right shape and we're building towards the future. He said, hopefully by 2024, we'll have a cap in the right shape. 
and then we'll be good to go. So these these kids that are coming through now, all kids or blokes, uh, in two or three years, will be almost not seasoned veterans, but three years into your career is very different to the first year. And so it's exciting. And I know that Bulldogs fans that want results right now, I get it, I get it. But if they can just stick to the plan, like the Broncos did after they everything fell apart, you could be in a similar situation with the Broncos where we may be premierships, if not this year, next year, you know? So I just think there's still a lot to be excited about, especially when your young fellas are coming in. Like, okay, so um, Harrison Edwards, great game. Uh, then you've got Jacob, Jacob Preston, also a young fella, great game. Blake Wilson also was outstanding. That's three players that are super young, that, are super, that came through your system, or at least in Q Cup or New South Wales Cup, that are coming in and impacting games. That's exciting for the club. And in my opinion, the best one over the next few years will be Carl. And he's just finding his way. Yeah, follow Apu. I didn't even, yeah, follow Apu. So who I felt really sorry for in this game, and I'm sure Canterbury fans would have noticed it, Paul Alamonti. They made a break down the left-hand side, the Warriors. Mm. He came from right centre. He made a great try-saving tackle. He then got up at marker, was exhausted. He made another tackle where they were going to get on the front foot. And then Sean Johnson got the ball and kicked to the space where Alamotti had left and they scored. And you just yeah. saw him standing there going, you're a joke. But that's yeah. first grade, isn't it? That's, well, I mean, that's literally first grade. Yeah. Identifying, oh, that's the centre there. Okay, boom. There's space yeah, there. There's space yeah. there. And then talking about the, like, <coughs> the Dogs Warrior on their depth, they're still sitting second in New South Wales Cup. Mm. Played the Warriors, who are third in New South Wales Cup on the weekend. This is obviously with the Doggies, so many players out. Uh, and they got a draw there. Like So they're... The talent goes deep. Yeah, and they won under 17s as well. Mm. So just to just to our point, like there's going to be some guys that come through and you're not going to know who they are, but in two or three years, you're going to be going, wow. Mm. Like even I, I remember distinctly the Paddy Carrigan when he came through because he came through as his just battler. And because it was a year or so early, you were like, oh, is he going to be just a fringe kind of first grader coming through? I don't think anyone could predict how good Paddy Carrigan would get by the age of 23, 24 years old. And that is all a testament to... I mean, he was made captain of the club at 21. And, and I was going... And he had he played 20 games. And I'm going, mate, way too early. Like, way too early. But look at the man it's made, Paddy, where in his origin debut, if you look at the sh in the sheds, the forward pack is around him and he's doing these ones in his origin debut. And so Bulldogs fans, I genuinely believe... In two to four years, this is what it could look like for the Bulldogs. And what, like adding more more meat to it all, you know, we've been speaking about the injuries time and time again as if it's an excuse and like it legitimately is to a degree and maybe they're not quite getting the results at the moment, but it was a completely new squad with a completely new spine this season. Mm. You add in Viliami Kickout who on the left edge like would be such a focal point of their yeah. attack. All these players have not had any time to forge any combinations. Like mm. We say it time and time again that that takes so much time. Yeah, They've had no chance to do it. Yeah. And, then, and then you add in that, you know, as a part of that spine, Flano's dropped out. Reynolds has been starting. Oluwapu's come in. You, they, the doggies are really building. And because of the injuries and a few other different things, it's going to take longer than expected. But far out, the, the signs are there. And, and I'd be very optimistic about them. Or yeah. I am, I should say. And like, we didn't even really mention Alamotti as a part of that young crew. But yeah. he's also a part of that young crew. I mean, it is, I think it's exciting times as a Bulldogs fan. I think it's exciting times. I will say, just after we'd been going, I think Hayes Perham is really winning me over. 
he got through his work, which we always love, you know, the 29 runs, the 240 metres or whatever, six tackle breaks. But that passing ability that we were discussing earlier in the year that were a bit questionable, there were a few moments in that game where I thought, ooh, still needs a bit of work. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, you, you, I, I don't want to go too harsh on him because he has impressed me the last few weeks, but that was far from his best game. I'm, uh, I'm keen to see how he responds to that <laughs> next week. Yeah, and I think he's earned the right to be kind of like we if he because he rips in so hard every week you can go okay that's a pretty poor game but you don't do too hard on the kid because his attitude is always in the right place he's having a crack exactly yeah. if what, his worst game is 29 runs 243 meters you can work on everything you can else work on it, yeah. whereas if he was a young gun fullback that came in and was running for 100 meters and taking eight mm. carries you go mate and then he goes out and makes those errors you go oh my god bro not good enough yep. not good enough yep. but he, he's he he works his ring off so i know doggy's fans are a bit tough on him on the weekend but just just give him a bit of time because he works his ring off mm. he, he's he's having a red hot crack and you can do you could do a lot worse than him at fullback um Okay, uh, how do we reckon Reed's gone so far this year? I mean, I reckon he's I reckon he started the year with a bang, then he's just been solid since. Yeah, I think he's been solid. I I don't think he's been um, tremendous to mm. be honest with you. Um, I I don't know. It's a tough one. Like I think Reed Money's a very good player. I think he's a good signing, but I do watch Jeremy Marshall King and go. Jeez, have they ended up with a better player? It's crazy, and I can't believe I'm saying that, but I, I just think JMK has been tremendous up there. But I do think that – I think Reid, and you can probably talk more about it, but from what I've heard at Canterbury, he brings a lot more than just on the field. Mm. I think he's brought a lot of professionalism to the club. Um, from what I've heard, he's a fantastic leader off the field as well. I think the difference may be, though, like JMK is under Wayne Bennett, and that team is mm. kind of going quite well, whereas like – They've been the Bulldogs have got the most injuries in the yeah. Club. Yep. Yeah. Let's use an example of Reese Robson, who last year was just exceptional, getting attacking numbers all over the place, line breaks, tries, try assists. And because the Cowboys pack has been so disappointing this year, you're like, well, Reese Robinson hasn't had the best season comparatively to mm. last year. Mm. And that's because his pack hasn't been going forward and mm. he hasn't had those quick play balls to work <clears throat> off. You look at Reed Marnie at the Dogs, who have like had to get exemptions most weeks, seemingly, to get forwards to come up and be able to field that pack. So it's made it really difficult on Reed Marnie. And once they do get that full pack back and they the, the yardage does start coming through the middle and they start dominating teams through the middle, you'll see Marnie come back to what I think we're expecting, what we saw earlier on in the year. So yeah. I'm, I can cut him some slack. Um now, so yeah, Doggies fans, disappointing for sure, and that we're not denying that. There was, you know, probably a few individuals that had not the best performances, but you're gonna you'll reap the rewards as long as you stick to the plan. Uh, now onto the Warriors. <laughs> I know there's there'll be someone in the comments just like they're not my favorite second team, second team or whatever, but they're fast becoming a lot of people's yeah. second favorite team. A lot of people are really getting on board this Warriors bandwagon, and the best thing is it was even a sign in the uh, crowd a few weeks ago bank saying there's room on the bandwagon. I think, oh, th this, it was like this stand used to be empty. There's room on the bandwagon or something along those lines. But get on it, boys, because they are just playing such good footy. They are playing exciting footy. They're, I just, this isn't the Warriors that I've been used to for the last 10 years. This is a new, fresh look mm. and they've all got on board and I love it. I love it. Garina? 
They might not be your second favourite team, but I'll tell you what, if they're not in your top three or four, I've got to ask some questions about you as a person just quietly. How can you not be around what they're doing at the moment, where they've come from, you know, the way that Sean Johnson is leading them, the way that Chance is leading them. Like, they're, just, they're just a team of goers. Mm. And, you know, they've had a lot of things go against them, which I think they've handled very well the entire season. Uh, and even when it, you know... He got a bit of attention last week. It wasn't the Warriors coming out and saying it, mm. realistically. So I, I just love the attitude they've gone in with. As I said before, they've had numerous 5-8s. Um, Ronald Volkman played that game with a compound fracture in I his know. finger. <laughs> just so hectic. So hectic. And I think it's, um, you know, when when Munster did it, because it's a similar injury, isn't it? Yep, same injury. When yeah. Munster did it, you go, yeah, that's the storm. Yep. That's the storm. Whereas this will get, because it's the Warriors in New Zealand, you won't hear much about it. It's a, uh, a young fella coming through. You won't sit there and go, that's the Warriors. But that's the Warriors now. Ronald Volkman, a rookie with a compound fracture playing the whole game. That's who they are now. And it's incredible. Compound fracture in the first half. Oh. Yeah, he, he, he would have been sitting there the other day going, you know what? I've got an opportunity to play 5-8 because uh, Tomato Martin's injured. They've moved... Dylan Walker back to the bench have given me a shot. Luke Metcalf's wearing my jersey in reserve grade right now. Mm. So he, he knew that he had to stay on the field. He had to have an impact. And credit to him. Scored a try in the second half. Um, I, I still think he has got a big future. Mm. They're, they're a game off third in pe- being Penrith. The bye this week. Mm. And then they play a depleted Broncos outfit in New Zealand in round 13. So they, I can, I mean, they should be getting, they should be winning that game, which will be four points in the next two weeks. Be top four in two weeks' time, and we, we know that because they're not really impactful, they're not impacted at all through the origin period. They can rack up some wins there, yeah. Uh, good, well placed. Like, Warriors in the top eight, I don't, none of us had them top eight at the start of this year, god no, and none of us had them top eight after 10 weeks. Haven't had a buy yet either, still to come this so, week, yeah, yeah. So, the the Five teams ahead of them outside of South Money's have all had a bye already. And they had three games in 11 days. Then they go out and they beat the doggies at home, the doggies at home. Then they're going to have the bye. They'll freshen up. I mean, when you talk about putting yourself in a good position. Mm. Not, not only do they have three games in 11 days, it was Melbourne, it was Penrith, <laughs> it was the Roosters. So, like, they've also had a pretty tough draw, mm. all things considered. How outrageous is that? Three games in 11 days, and by the way, we'll give you Melbourne, Penrith, Roosters. How's that fair? Like, I mean, I know they say some kind of algorithm does it, but that, that is just so outrageous. Like, any other club, if they got, like, sent the draft of that draw, would be going, mate, that's a piss take. That is, you're taking the absolute piss. But then to be the Warriors after everything they've done, 11-day turn, turnaround, three games, three of the toughest teams in the comp, ridiculous. Anyway... Uh, and they get through it without a complaint. You don't hear anything from the, the the squad, and this is a result of it. And I know some people sitting there going, "Oh, well, it was the Bulldogs," but yeah, still, the Bulldogs have been taking it to a lot of sides this year. Yeah. Yep. Um, so yeah, great win for the uh, Adam Fenua Blake. Seriously, if he was in any other side, he'd be essentially what top three front row in the game. He's uh, he's a mascot boy, and good God, I wish we could pick him for New South Wales. Kills me that we can't. One game for New Zealand when he about six years ago. Credit to you, AFB, but I wish we could have you. Mate. Well, Richard Villasanti played for both. I don't know about the Blues, but <laughs> he didn't play for Blues. He played for Australia and the, and the Kiwis. So I think Tony Carroll did it. Didn't Tony he? Carroll. So if it was that long ago, surely we can just let him in. 
What were you saying before the show, Campy? AFB, Payne Haas, Junior Bowler up front. Oh, mate. Could you imagine that? that? And then Jake Trevojevic when he's not injured. Yeah. Have fun <laughs> with that. And then an RCG as well. Yeah. Oh, my God. Interesting. I wonder if AFB would want to play Origin. Yes. I mean, I so he has said in the past that he would have thought about playing that one game for New Zealand a lot harder if it meant he couldn't play Origin. And so was it in under-20s or something that he played for New Zealand? It was 2017, so... Sorry, why has he not played for New Zealand at any point since then? He's played for Tonga. Oh, so he changed to Tonga and then, yeah. Right. yeah. yeah. Uh, so, sorry, what'd you say? Was it under 20s? Was it first grade? Like what what, what level was it that he played uh, New Zealand? Oh no, he played for New Zealand, like actual New actual Zealand. Actual New Zealand. Yes, that's why. And what was it, about five years ago? 2017. Yeah. 2017. Yeah. When was his first game for um, Tonga? He would have. He would have known. Surely he would have known that he can't play Origin. It was the World Cup year, wasn't it? When because uh, was it Tam Lolo made the call to go to Tonga, and then he followed him. AFB. I think it was no, no. Andrew Fafita followed him. Oh, Fafita followed, followed him. him yeah. So yeah, he played for New Zealand in 2017. And he played for Tonga also in 2017. So it would have been that was year. It 2018, they beat the Kangaroos. Was that 2019? 18 or 19. <laughs> and he so played he was there as soon as Tonga could get selected, pretty much. Yeah. As yeah. in like. And he way. played for for first grade in 2016. Oh, get him in. So this, had he not yeah. played for the Kiwis, he'd be sweet to play for New South Wales right now. This is that's according. Look, I screwed it up with Leota last week, so I want to be very careful. But it says here on this article that in 2021 that he would have thought harder about playing that one game for the Kiwis because he wants to play Origin. <laughs> if yeah, the rules wow. are changed, it's interesting what they're going to do because he grew up in mascot. Did you say? Yeah, he's a mascot jet. Yeah. How how old was he when he got here? Does it say there? Interesting. Uh, he anyway, played from very young. Very Mascot. young? Yeah. So, like, wow. you know, he's basically, I know he's not technically from Australia, but when you, if you hear from, like, seven years old, it's like, mate, you're an Aussie. Oh. He was born in Australia. What? Well, he's Australian then. I mean, hmm. okay, well, well, I mean, he's whatever he wants to be, but that's, you know what I mean? Like, I don't care what he is, just get him in the blues. Get him in the blues? <laughs> Wow. So he could have played for Australia. I mean, yeah, born in Australia. Wow, that's really interesting. Really interesting. Oh, man. I mean, he would have been, so 16, he would have been, yeah, quite a teenager, I guess, when he got played for New Zealand instead of having someone maybe advise him, like, mate, like, you could be... I imagine him in a Blues jersey, the big fella. Anyway. Let's stop talking about it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Adam Fanua Blake was outstanding. Jeez, that, that late step at the line. Oof. Every time. Does it every time and every time he, he breaks that first tackle. It's funny too, speaking of where Adam Noah Blake, you know, he, he obviously played for the um, Mascot Jets. He grew up in the same team as Dylan Walker for Mascot and he threw that pass to uh -huh. him. Oh, really? Wow. Yeah. How bad. good. How good. Uh, but yeah, outside of that, Warriors, what exciting times. What exciting times. They could pick up four points the next two weeks potentially and all of a sudden they may be in the top four. Probably. Yeah, probably in the top four. Well, yeah, because like Broncos would, oh no, because they they're they're two wins behind Broncos, aren't they? Two behind the Broncos, but they're only a game out. Like Penrith are in third on fourteen, Warriors are eighth on twelve, so they're a game out of the four. Game out of the four, so they pro yeah they go win win. That could be yeah wow. Uh, anyone else stand out for you guys for the Warriors? No, I thought it was pretty well rounded performance. Yeah, you're. Uh 
can't believe you haven't touched on this yet, mate, but your boy Lukey Metcalf returning to New South Wales Cup on the weekend. Mm-hmm. Only played 40 minutes, scored a try eight minutes in. It was a crack. I went to the line, fended off, dummy through. It was a sick try. Only played 40 minutes. Just That's why I didn't touch on it. Because he only played 40 and I wasn't sure why. I was going to give it to uh, you, mate, okay. but I was like, you know what? He did score a cracking try, but I wasn't sure why he didn't play the whole game. So I think they were just eating him. Hope so. Unless they're eyeing him up, but yeah, he was good. Yeah, they would be easing him back in, surely. Yeah. Which, again, sign of a good club. Great, great but, move. Especially, yeah. that, what, they're sitting second or third in Swell's Cup. You know, looking right in the NRL, just no need to rush. The only thing that worried me when I looked at it was that he didn't play 40 minutes. He played, I think it was 41, and that was the yeah. only thing that made me think, <laughs> yeah. oh, shit, did he injured maybe get injured or something? Yeah. Oh, I wasn't okay. sure. Okay. Reach out. There, was an, well, there was an interview with him after the game. Okay, sweet. And, and he was, didn't say anything about injury. He said it was all sweet, so... All right, uh, a couple of store store shout-outs. Plumpton Hotel Celebrations, a massive celebration superstore in the heart of Western Sydney, currently has a floor stock of bloke lager and selling for great prices. Get down and show your support to Cass and her team. Grab some bloke beer. That is Plumpton Hotel Celebrations. I think they come on board right at the start. So Plumpton Hotel Celebration in the heart of Western Sydney. Get in there, grab a case. Heritage Hotel, Wilberforce, old school country pub in Hawkesbury, Districts have just put a big floor stack of both lager and bloke mini and selling for great prices. If you're in and around the Windsor area, pop down to Heritage Hotel to see Jody and her team. Albion Park Cellars, another celebration store with a big floor stack of bloke lager and bloke mini. Gene and the team are big fans of the podcast, so get in, buy some bloke beer for discounted prices. That's Albion Park Cellars, the legends over there. Been around for a while with us, so really appreciate the support. Grange Hotel celebrations in Wyoming. Beautifully renovated celebration store on the Central Coast, always selling bloke for great prices and have a big floor stack in the cool room. Pop in and see Brad and grab some ice cold bloke beer carton. Now on to... Sorry, just just to further clear up AFB, pretty much bang on, but this is an article from 2021 and obviously I don't think it's changed since then, but playing for the junior Kiwis, apparently then just bang on ruled him out of origin forever basically. And he said that he doesn't like regret it, but he just, he didn't know it at the time. So it didn't get explained to him. So he didn't really know that that would rule him out of origin forever. So the junior Kiwis is what ruled him out. That's what this article says. Yeah. But then he did go on to play one game for New Zealand against Scotland in 2017. Uh, okay. Uh, so, so he's referring to, I would have thought more about the junior Kiwis if yeah. I knew. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Eh? Isn't it tough though? Like in, like obviously unfamiliar, like getting to play origins huge, but yeah, that's like hundred K a year. Mm. Like it's a it's a big decision to be forced to make when you're a teenager. That obviously people in your ear at the Kiwis would be saying, "Yeah, yeah, come along." Like all the positives about it. So, well, and also that's where a lot of Kiwis and Polynesians, I guess, get frustrated with um, Aussies, where they're going. You have this huge pulling of a hundred grand. So you go to all our young boys and go, you know, do you want to play Origin or do you want to play for the Kiwis? By the way, there's a chance you might make a hundred thousand dollars a year if you play Origin. Whereas we don't have that pool. Um, now, to be fair, it is an Australian league. So, like, you know, we can't be, I guess, um, it's not like, it's not a world league. It's an Australian league. So we can't be held, can't be basically going, oh, well, you guys should, you're doing something wrong by having State of Origin and having more, I guess, um, appeal to other nations kind of thing. But I think the best way to fix that, and look, it's always easy to talk about other people's money. But the best way to fix that is is somehow make a product that does show all 
of the Polynesian nations. And I think having a, a month of, of uh, international footy whilst Origin is on would actually be the best way to do that, where they do get paid decent coin and it is like, you know, uh, a month of madness or whatever. And whether we like, it's a four-week block off during Origin where all the players go play for their, because it's like 50, over 50% now that's Polynesian or Indigenous. They go and play for their, you know, Tonga, Samoa, PNG, and they do a round robin or whatever during Origin. And then every each Wednesday is an Origin match. Um, Four Nations type setup, obviously excluding Australia, yeah. and, and have Tonga, Samoa, Fiji, PNG. Yep. And then everyone that isn't eligible to go and play PNG and all and Tonga and that goes back and plays New South Wales Q Cup, and they make that a big deal. You got a bunch of NRL players coming back. I reckon, and you just package it up as this like month of madness or whatever. It'd be sick. I reckon. I think it'd be sick watching. Yeah, I reckon, and you could. It would build, but anyway, that's a a time for it. Um, that's a topic for a different time. Alrighty, Panthers defeat the Roosters, forty-eight to four. You read that correctly. You heard that correctly. Forty-eight to four, defeat the Roosters, who were already coming off a loss last week. Uh, this was shocking. I think. I've been saying for a few weeks now, I want to see that game from the Panthers where I go, oh, shit. Mm. And I think that that was the game for Panthers. That's, this is the game where I went, oh, okay. These, these Panthers squad, this Panthers squad, even though they've lost their key players, has the same venom and attacking ability as their last squad. Now, I'm not saying the players are equal to what they've lost, but to go out and beat the Roosters like that, that's that scary squad that... A few weeks ago, and Cam Smith brought this up, which is a really good point on the captain's run. He was like, I think that a lot of teams have lost fear of Penrith, where they go there and they already think that they're beaten. They go there now this year and go, no, we, we can beat these, this team. Whereas I think this has sent a shockwave across the NRL of going, oh, crap. Like, the Panthers boys are back in town and they are the team to beat. You know, I'd still say Rabbitohs number one, but they continue on this trajectory. They are the team to beat. What do you think of this game, Gurit? I, I think it's fair to say form-wise, the Rabbitohs, but I still think when you get to September football, the Panthers are the team to beat for mm. me. Mm. They've been there, they've done it, they've done it in many different ways. Said this the last few weeks. And <coughs> so many angles you can attack this game from, from a Panthers' perspective. Obviously, almost putting 50 points on the Roosters is unheard of, and it's not like it's a decimated Roosters side. Like, a lot of star players there. Well, who so, are they missing? Who are they missing? Egan? Who else? Sam uh, Walker, but they they, they were choosing not to play him. Yeah, yeah. No, they yeah, pretty well full strength. And like the forty-eight points is good, but I guarantee you the Panthers would be sitting there going, "We did it again, four points." Defense is what's going to win us this competition, and we just kept Manu, Kiri, Angus Crichton, Tedesco to four points. Jeez, Sweetie. in like good conditions for footy, hey? Great we're missing our entire left edge. <laughs> <laughs> it is honestly shocking, and. You know, from the get-go, it was... I mean, the, the Roosters hung in it for the first 10 and you thought, oh, yeah, they're here to play. And then just got blown off the park. Absolutely blown off the park. Now, I know Fisher-Harris came back last week, didn't he? Yeah. But, I mean, this week, his impact on that squad and that just the way that venom, that bite that he brings to that squad, it is just immeasurable. Well, it's measurable. It's 48-point... You know, that's the kind of stuff that that pack with that aggression can do. But I, I did not see this coming. 
I did not see this coming. I thought we'd see performances like this from Panthers maybe closer to around finals time where they've kind of like slowly built their year up towards it. But for them to come out and do this, absolutely phenomenal. What do you think, Timmy? Mm. How about that, like, mentioned numerous times, like how good Taruva's been coming in for an injured Taylor May, who that seems like an eternity ago that he did his ACL. Mm. Tunga goes down. The return of the Peach. How has the Peach been on the left edge this season? Like it's unbelievable. Come back up. Whenever the Tigers were picking Peachy in their side last year, I couldn't understand why. Yeah. That's how poorly I thought he was going. And then he goes and lights up the Roosters like that playing centre. Wild. <coughs> They're Wild like Penrith and Bunnies. They seem leaps and bounds ahead of the next best in the competition at the moment, don't they? Like mm. you might have a, a Broncos or I mean the Roosters are battling after that. Um, it's just Bunnies and Panthers. I think you put it really well, Guru. Bunnies are the form team, but come September, you still want to be on Penrith at the moment. Yeah, Penrith are... Because, like, Broncos, they're slowly building towards being in that, I guess, discussion. Mm. But because we haven't seen them in those big matches towards the end of the year, we don't really know how they'll react. Whereas the Panthers, we know in finals, really, they can get the job done. You know, Rabbitohs, we know they can get the job done up until a point in the finals. But this Panthers side playing like this it is shocking it we, is we, we said last week that it, on paper like the roosters roster is almost as good as it gets like in terms of comparing their teams to previous years one to 13 in particular it's unbelievable and Penrith just beat them 48-4 and it was just a complete it was a complete shutout like it wasn't a, a barrage of tries at the end of the game it was a total domination mm. i am uh yeah I am so excited for the Penrith Panthers in regards to the three-peat is very alive. It is very real. And it's scary to think that this, that as you guys have said, we've this is a Panthers team that has lost key players in key positions and has injuries as well and manages to do this. So go, going into this week, I was sort of interested in how the impact of Viliami kick out on the left edge. So last season... They scored 50% of their tries, Penrith, on the left edge compared to 29% on the right. This year, leading into this week, they scored 22% of their tries on their left, 50 on the right. That mm. is an enormous swing for a team. Yeah. The best thing about Penrith this week, six of their eight tries came through the left edge. There was a Toto try on the right, and the, the other trial was a Dylan Edwards one where he sort of cut through probably nearly the middle anyway. So mm. that left edge was just dominant again. Yeah, far out. And Jerome Luai, what a game. Talk about the pressure that has been mounting on this kid. The pressure of, you know, you don't deserve to be there. And the, the tough thing for Jerome, and I'll be honest, there is a part, portion of the audience that has genuine, reasonable reasons for why they would select Hines over Luai. But there is also a large portion of the fan base that just don't like Lua. So they're like, mm. you know, he doesn't deserve to be there regardless. Yeah. Got to bring someone in. And so you just got all this noise. And you have to remember from his perspective, he's like, I'm back-to-back -back winning six. I was responsible, partly responsible in regards to I made my debut in a record-breaking defeat of – because that was his debut year when you guys beat us by a record margin. Um, beat us two times up in Queensland. And, yeah, we had a quiet year last year in regards to Origin where we got beaten, but there were plenty of players in that New South Wales side that played quietly. It wasn't just Luai. 
And so you've got to, from his perspective, he's sitting there going like, why am I getting singled out as the... Now, to be fair, as I said, there is a portion of people say, well, the reason for the singling out is because you've got a guy in Hines who is the Dalian player of the year that plays in your, that could play in your position. But what a response from Luai. Yeah, what a and response. And then let's add in, took Samoa to a World Cup final as a seven. Yes. So it's like, well, I'm not completely relying on Nathan Cleary in these places around me, am I? Yeah. Can I just take you back even further? He made his um, under-20s debut 2015. Penrith won the comp that year. He then went to New South Wales Cup. They won the comp in 2017. He then went to first grade and they went grand final in 2020 into back-to-back premierships into Samoa. Jesus. Call him what you want. He's a winner. <clears throat> and that's it. It's like around me, like, I'm saying that I want Nico at six. Firstly, I'm not upset if Luai's six. Mm. I'm happy for him to be there. It's just that Nico's been so incredible. I'm like, eventually the pieces will drop where you get him in there. But mm. if it's Luai, I'm like, sweet. Just nothing to add to Luai, and I've mentioned it before, but add on top of all that, he replaced James Maloney. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And they chose to keep him over Burton. And so oh, I, I'm not sitting here saying that, you know, every every week last year he was the, killing it and just, you know, as good as Munster or whatever. But the game, at least on the weekend, he was as good as any six in the competition. Uh, he was absolutely electrifying. I think that depending on how he plays this week, but I, I think that this game goes a long way to almost cementing. You'd almost cement him in that six, at least for game one. Be a brave man to, to break up that combination. I think he can lock himself in against the Broncos this week mm. at Suncorp. Yeah. Because, mm. yep. mm. like, you'd be pretty brave to break that up, regardless of how incredible Nico is. You'd be pretty brave to break that up. <laughs> it's it's why, honestly, five days ago, I must have been the bravest guy in the world because I was ready to break it yeah, up. Yeah, ready to do I it. I was. Then I sat there and watched that game, and at halftime I went, shit. <laughs> nope. <laughs> but to be fair, he, <laughs> has been, again. he has been a little bit quiet this year yep. to be fair like you know not not it's not like he's been playing the house down and he's just not getting a look in but the game on the weekend holy moly he was good he was electric a try two try assists 135 meters uh 11 tackle breaks 11 tackle breaks two line breaks two line break assists an offload 14 tackles no misses and i mean you know he was so electrifying the other day and that's that's when you've got Tyrone Peachy at left centre and as good as he was, Scotty Sorensen on that left edge. Imagine when you give him Cam Murray and Luttrell. Well, that's what we saw what he did with uh, Luttrell. Luttrell basically was player of the series that year mm. um, and his six was <laughs> Jerome. Yeah. And it started from word from word go because in that game one up in Townsville, I'm pretty sure, one of the first sets, we're going tit for tat, tit for tat, Luai just goes, gets the ball. He spins a long ball to Latrell. Latrell goes, bang, thanks, see you later, runs the field, and then we're under the pump for the rest of the series, pretty much. Uh, so, yeah, Luai was outstanding. I still can see a case for Hines coming in at six. There'll be people that will say, well, hang on a sec, this is just one game. Don't get ahead of yourself. But I think it's a little bit more than just one game. Um, I personally, personally, I think I'm locked into you keep Luai there, you give him game one and you put Hines at 14. But I would be happy either way. I'm going to put a lot of uh, weight on this Thursday mm. night against the Broncos. I really am. Well, mm. I'm Hines, but if he comes out and kills Brisbane this week and he's just gone Roosters, Brisbane, back-to-back, leading into Origin with his spot under pressure, that could flip me. What do you reckon, Matty? Yeah. 
definitely before last week I was Heinz, but I, I understand why I fully understand why it will be Luai. I still think it should be Nico Heinz, mm. to, to be honest. And yep. I guess it all kind of depends as well on where everyone else is and like who can be fought. If they're not going to run with two two hookers, which I don't know if they will, but I just think it's better for like everyone, like the, sorry, better for the team if Nikolai's, Nico is at six and then we have someone like Matty Burton at 14 who can cover a lot of positions. Because I think Nico at six, uh, Nico at 14, sorry, is a bit of a waste because he can... Yes, he can play fullback, but so can so can half the mm. half the back line. Mm. He can play six, but that's really it. Like you just pick him. If you're gonna pick him, I just I reckon pick him at six. That's just what I think. But I completely completely understand why they're going. Well, Heinz Heinz can play. I'd, I'd argue probably anywhere in the back line. But a, a big one that a lot of people aren't considering is he can play seven. And if if Cleary goes down with a HIA or something, yeah. Then who have, who do you have that can do that? And look, I know I understand every. Whereas when you look at that Queensland lineup, Ben Hunt just forms straight in there. But then I think if if he goes down with HIA and he's the the five eight, I'd just put Burton at six. You put Burton at six and then move him to seven. Yeah, yeah. Uh, oh, and he's the five eight. Sorry, I thought I'm I'm not talking about him as a fourteen. Oh, okay. Right. As why as why you know apart like it's huge insurance a for your fullback. I know other people can play fullback, but you definitely know you can just put slot him straight in there. Um, he's a huge insurance for Cleary. He's a huge, huge insurance for Luai. Probably could play. Could he play thirteen, or do you think probably body not? I think he could handle himself there, but he could. But then we wouldn't need him anyway because we got Cam as a backup thirteen. So and then really. we'd what? You'd put Hines. Let's say thirteen went down. You put Hines to the edge and Cam in the middle. Well, anyway, these well, are all yeah. bloody. Yeah. It doesn't. Yeah. Yeah. These. Are, I mean, imagine the depth of steps that they have to go down to as selectors mm. of like, what if this happens? What if this yeah. happens? What if this happens? What if this happens? Because you have to like, look at it. I mean, perfect example, Teddy, HIA, game three, 2020 or whatever it was. And you know, the yarn was maybe have Paps on the bench at 14 and they didn't. And I, th I think people are a bit unfair on Freddie with that. Cause it's like, you know, where else can Paps real, really play other than fullback? You know, maybe through the middle a little bit, but he, he probably couldn't defend in the front line. I do feel like that situation was the perfect storm. That's what I'm saying. Like Freddie, yeah. Yeah, like it'd be on Like what? So you're, you're putting him on the bench just in case Teddy gets injured. Yeah. Like where else can you play? If your hooker goes down, you lose it because of that. Everyone's going, oh, hold on. Yeah, well, but he got smashed there. for that. Yeah. Um, whereas the Jackie White one, I could understand the uh, the frustration with that because even on this show, we were saying, mate, put him on the edges, of, uh, put him on the benches a big forward like he's big he'll get through it yeah uh, but the 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 tedesco pappy one i didn't get but yeah the heinz luai argument either way someone is unfairly done by it. in the inner regard you know what i mean heinz dalian winner killing it luai back-to-back premiership winner let's say he holds this form it's it's tough either way man it really is and you know like if i was you know as i said for the last few weeks i have been Team Nico Hines and Jerome Luai came and had that game. And it just made me sat down and think about it. And, yeah, if you were being real Jerome Luai tunnel, there's an argument there that Luai's done it in final series. He's done it in grand finals. <coughs> Nico's won a Dally M, yes, but on the big stages in finals and everything, he's 0-2 with his team. Yeah, it's a fair point. And also, Luai's done it in Origin Series as well. Yeah. Mm. Uh, yeah, I, I do think it does get clouded a bit with Luai the personality and Luai the actual player. Yep, 100% it does. Um, like, for, if he was a really likeable player, do you reckon this, there'd be this much noise about him? I don't think so. 
But Nico is like uh, beloved. <laughs> and obviously Luai has his detractors. But I, yeah, huge raps on Luai in regards to the mental fortitude to respond like that. Incredible. And he's just such a good representation of you don't count the boys from the West out. Like these these boys are a bit different. These crew of boys, this this culture at this club, it's different. It's different. Uh Outside of that, Cleary, once again, Jesus, Jesus. Liam Martin, when he came on, was on an absolute mission. He was he was a, a missile, seriously like a missile. He was shot in the front rowers. He wasn't going for edge back rowers or little fellas. He was going for the big boys in the middle, straight through the guts. I mean, I wonder whether he starts next week because Sorensen was so good. You got Hoskins on the other edge who's been so consistent. You'll probably start him, don't you? I think they will start yeah. him. Yeah, I think they'll to start help with him his somewhere. origin cause as well. For sure, and that's it. Le- leading into origin, he'll be going. I want to start. I want to play big minutes. Not that Freddie'd have too many concerns over him, but you know he has missed a decent chunk through injury. So come in, he'll kill it, and he'll be our starting edge for the Blues. And I think, well, for, for me anyway, I've wanted to play Cam Murray off the bench for the Blues. I want to have him through, through the, middle. the middle. But the problem is, you'd then have to essentially pick two debutants, unless you go for like a Tyson Brazil or someone, which I think there's a chance Freddie does, but. <laughs> My worry was going Hudson Young and um, Olaquato as mm. debutants. Mm. Assuming Liam Martin wasn't available, now that he is, I'd be happy to pick him on either edge. Yeah. It's uh, strange because wasn't Tyson Frizzell not even put in the squad last year? And I think we were talking about it going, why wouldn't you even just bring him for experience? And now he's back in the chat of being selected again. Uh, did, did he not? I thought he made the squad in game one. I. And I remember thinking, geez, that's odd. Why wouldn't you just give it to a young guy? If he's oh, it was a reverse. Yeah, reverse. yeah, we were saying yeah. bring in a young guy. And who were we saying to bring in? I can't remember. Oh, was I it can't Hudson, remember. maybe? It Might have been, been Hudson. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, we were talking about... Hudson or Lane. Okay, well, that makes sense. That makes sense then. So I, I like that from Freddie then in regards to, you know, we were, well, I'll say I was probably wrong in regards to bringing a young guy in because Tyson was still very much in the frame. Yeah. Yeah, he was picked in the game one squad, but not two or three. Not two or three. Yeah, and I think, yeah, you're right. We were talking about, well, why not just put a young guy in there? Mm-hmm. What's the point of bringing Tyson there? Because he's already been there so many times, you don't need to give him experience. Uh, but he's still in the frame, and geez, he's been good for the New Knights. Holy. Part, at the same time, part of me would love to have Liam Martin on one edge, Hudson Young on the other. That's <laughs> <laughs> just got origin written all over it, which yeah. I would love. Yeah, it's a tough one. It's, a, it's such a tough call because... Yeah, well, we'll see. We'll see. Anyway, back to the Panthers. Uh, it, it works as well because Martin, like, he can play both edges, but he's right edge back row, essentially. He's got that combination with Cleary no, on the right, yeah. and then Hutto's a left edge back row, so it works. Because <laughs> if you were going Hutto too, got to be handed up, Jack White. I thought you were going to say Jared Croker Jared on the Croker on the edge, Outside of that, yeah. Taruva, outstanding. Tyro Peacher, outstanding. Toto, always outstanding. Seriously, that barely ever plays a bad game. It's like always this bizarre thing with Toto. Oh, yeah, he's a smaller winger, so they'll just kick crossfield bonds to him. Yet no team does. And also, he never struggles under the high ball. He seriously, he defies convention. The convention is small winger, has all this upside when he runs the ball because he's so strong, but he's going to get outleaped all the time. When was the last time you saw Toto get outleaped? I remember his origin debut, I was like very sceptical going, I love Toto, but had some lank dog on him. And you're like, he's just going to leap over him all the time. Mm. And he just 
muscled him with the body. Yep. Didn't look like getting beaten in the air. So good. So good. Well, and look, I know listeners are going to be like, hey, round 11, he was our lead to it. I'm just saying on a regular basis, <laughs> it's not an issue. I, I loved coming into this like coming into this game. The Roosters bench was Cheese, Tupinor, and Matt Lodge. And I thought, geez, without Spencer Lee New and with Scott Sorensen starting, mm. the Chooks could really get him in that you know, <clears throat> post-20, 25-minute mark. They didn't get near them. If anything, they, the Penrith Panthers might have got better when all their bench came on the field, which was unbelievable. Man, I'm telling you, this front row pairing of of um, Panthers, they're almost like the best, well, not almost, they're probably the best front row pairing big game players there is. Every time it gets to the biggest game possible, they're the ones that dominate the game. Grand final, dominated. Obviously, the last couple of grand finals have dominated. Uh, all the big games, except for some throughout the year where it, it takes a RCG junior polo to put it over them. They barely ever get dominated in big games, ever. So good. Uh, so, yeah, there's that game, Penny Panthers, a game we, uh, we've we been waiting for, and by God did they deliver. Oh, my God. Uh, Scotty Sorensen, we've already spoken about him, but geez Louise, what a game. Uh, thoughts about the, the nine roll? Do you think that they're getting closer to sorting that out? or? Mitch Kenny getting more reps there, or yeah, I I still believe that Sonny Luke's not a hundred percent. He's got this hamstring injury that apparently just won't go away. Mm. So, mm. Um, yeah, I, I don't know what to make of it. Or and, and this is you know I've been saying this for weeks, but this has been the reality of Sonny Luke. This well, he's only played 60, 70 New South Wales Cup games in the last five or six years because he has always had a couple of niggling injuries, and I think they're. I think they're very keen just to manage him through and get him through to September because yeah. they know how important he's going to be mm. come the back end. Okay, anything else on uh, the Panthers? All good. All good. Uh, now, on to the Roosters. Wow. <laughs> wow. Uh, look, only, yes, it is only round 11, but this is a d- disaster loss. Uh, this is really, really bad times for the Roosters. I the problem is is I don't see them any closer to answers. Uh, if anything, they've, I feel like they've gotten further away from answers. Yes, on paper their roster is incredible, and I don't think they have a culture issue at all. I think culture is the wrong word, but I just do feel like they don't all seem to be headed in the same direction at times. They've got really good, strong individual efforts. There's very rarely could you say a rooster goes out there and doesn't have a red-hot crack. They all have a red-hot crack. Whereas some other t- teams you can see, mate, you you did not put in. Whereas a rooster, very rarely that happens. But when you look at this side, and obviously we talked about on paper, they're so good. The, the admin, the club is incredibly well run. They know how to win. But on the field right now, they just do not seem to be heading in the same direction. And I think that it's actually going to take a few players taking a step back for them all to take a step forward. Because right now, it's just not working. It's just not working. And uh, they have way too good of a roster to be getting even close to these this scoreline. And also this year, although they have fought tooth and nail and kind of kept themselves in the hunt, and I think at the moment they're still, what are they? They're, they're just outside the eight. So win-wise, they will be able to claw themselves back in if they go on a bit of a run later in the year. But it does come to a point where for a couple of years we've been saying, all right, well, they're slow starters, 2018 slow starters. Then they're normally slow starters, so we kind of accept it as okay. But there comes a point where in an ideal world, being a slow starter is not a good thing. 
And so you can't be it every single year. And it have, and have proven over the last few years that being a slow starter cost them the top four spot. Um, so I'm, I actually think that if, Raid, uh, if the Roosters continue down this path for the next four to six, four matches or so, I think we could see seismic changes at the club. I take on the Dragons this week. Who's having a shit a week? The Dragons or the Roosters? It's a hot field. Well, yeah, I mean, it's about to get shitter for the Dragons, I reckon. Um, yeah, Chooks, I, you just never see this team concede that many points. Mm. I, I, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I would assume that's the most points they've conceded since the 2016 season or something on those. Oh, against South, so I could see Matty jump out of his <laughs> skin then. <coughs> but outside of that, I mean, we, I, I know they conceded more points to South Sydney, but that was that defensive effort was awful for them. By their standards, that was just mm. outrageous. And it was obviously made worse. You had Joey Manu get injured. You had JWH get injured. Coming Sam off Walker. a 20-6 loss to the Cowboys. Yep. We sort of laughed a bit when you said it last week, Kempi, but you said it with substance, and that was like having too many stars mm. and not knowing what to do with them because they all want to be the highlight real players. And you summed it up well there saying they're all having a crack, but you, is there too many stars in one team? At least strike weapons rather than stars because you can have 13 stars but all play a role mm. i think they're all just on a different page at the moment and it'll be very interesting to see what the team list comes out as tomorrow and if there are some wholesale changes not wholesale changes but we touched on a handful that we all probably would have made last week and they it didn't happen will it happen this week and that's solely you to the wing it's you know we sort of mentioned maybe joe marnie back to center sammy walker back to the halves but Sammy Walker's under an injury cloud as well at the moment. He might not be available. Joey Manu, it looked like it was only a rolled ankle, so it might not be anything too extensive, but it's not looking any better for them. Even if Walker's not available this week, I would be moving Manu to centre. Yeah. I'd just play Hutcher. Play someone I would too. He, I just he could be exactly what they need and just like a stable bloke who's not trying to steal the show or overplay his hand. He'll just give this star talent around him. Good ball. Well, the year, the year that they came fifth and they were decimated by injury, the hardest pairing was Walker-Hutchison for most mm. of the year. Yep. And, like, when you look at that, compared to the stars they've got currently, you'd go Walker, rookie year, essentially, Hutchison, just a battler. I, I think there is there needs to be a major shift in their the way they approach their footy, the way they go, okay... I, look at the Panthers. Everyone plays their role perfectly, perfectly. And I think that you could look at them and go, sure, there's a few players in that side that could go, we'll actually want more runs or I want more of this. Whereas with the Roosters, I just don't think that, as I said, individually, they're ripping and tearing and having a red-hot crack. But as a team, there just does not just seem to be any cohesion whatsoever. Well, I feel like in the preseason, one thing we've been vindicated for, at least at this point, is we were all a bit sceptical of the Brandon Smith signing. No knock on how good Cheese is as a footballer, but just that they didn't need another, again, strike weapon to in this side. Like They could have used uh, someone like Jake Turpin, who's a solid signing on, would have been peanuts, comparatively, who can just go and distribute early and give good ball. Mm. And... I think so far, that's proven correct. I think when you look at them on the weekend, they had a centre playing 5'8", in my, point, in my opinion, they had a middle forward playing hooker and they had a 5'8", playing halfback. Mm. Yeah, I, I think, because I've thought about it a lot, it's like, what is happening there? 
I reckon when the game shifted in 2020 so quickly on everyone, I think that, and this is just a vibe feeling, you, maybe stats wouldn't back it up, but I think maybe Robbo has swung too heavily towards the shifting of the game and he hasn't been able to kind of counter swing back because the game actually has swung back closer to what it was in 2018 and 19. Like 2020, we saw this just like rule changes, the game completely opened up. And what did it suit it? It suited a bunch of ball runners all through the middle, heaps of pace, heaps of tackle breaks to just, just the speed of the play of the ball is so quick. And then over the last couple of years, all the rule changes have come back and now the game is much closer to pre-2018. And I wonder whether, sorry, pre-2020, and I wonder whether it's, they went, Roosters went too far down the track of, well, this is the new version of the game. We need to sign this player, this player, this player, and we'll dominate in that fashion maybe. That's the kind of feeling I'm getting. It's hard to because in 2020, when all that was going down, they handed the keys to Sam Walker. And he played some of the most expansive footy we've ever seen, which I'm I'm now looking at going, geez, did Sam Walker miss out on two or three years of key development where he should have been learning how to play the style the Roosters want to play now? Because mm. he, uh, I feel like Walker's a real scapegoat at the moment. I feel sorry for him. Well, it's, he's clearly not the problem. He's clearly not yeah. the problem. Don't tell me he's the problem. Yeah. Well, he's been dropped for two or three weeks. And they've lost they both. They just beat the Dragons. Yeah who we know how they're going, and then they got pumped by the Cows and pumped by the Panthers. Yeah. So Sam Walker's not the issue. I mean, another really alarming thing, and maybe he's carrying an injury, because it was, you know, he's such a team player. Tedesco, this is the most unlike mm. Tedesco performance I've ever seen in my life. He had 12 runs, 104 metres, one tackle break. Like, we've, I, I can't, when was the last time you saw Teddy have that kind of amount of runs? And look, yes, they had, much less possession. Yes, they, you know, were against a side that completed at, you know, 85% or 89%, I think, actually. And the, the, the uh, Roosters completed at 68%. I mean, that's how ruthless the Panthers were. They completed 89%. Talk about ruthless. Oh, my God. Uh, but the, the, the bizarre thing is, is that the Roosters roster, on paper, you could make an argument, is better then the Panthers won. You take Cleary out of that team, there's an argument to be had that that Roosters roster is better on paper. That forward pack, JWH, Cheese, Lindsay Collins, Angus Cryan, Nat Butcher, Victor Radley, then off the bench they had Tupanua and Matt Lodge. And a team like say, that did, shouldn't get beaten by eight. Did you say did you say Crichton as well? Yeah. Yeah. Angus. Crazy. Get a load of this. So you talk about Teddy with 104 meters. Thomas like there's a glitch on the NRL website. Kick return meters. Wingers, Corey Allen, 24. Jackson Barlow, 34. James Tedesco, 2. Wow. <laughs> two metres. Again, if it's a glitch, sort your shit out, NRL.com. <laughs> but assuming it's not, that shows where was this game of footy played? All basically in the Roosters' half and in their 20. Yeah, wow. Or like it didn't get to fifth tackle and they yeah. just cut through them. Yeah. That That's is shocking. unbelievable. That is truly shocking. That is truly shocking. Um, so I don't know what else there is to say. It's just unfortunately at the Roosters right now, it's just not good enough. I'm really excited to see team list this week. Yeah. But at the same time, how many options do they have? Well, yeah, well, what are you going to do? Like what's the – what message can you send? Yeah, which of these international forwards are you going to drop, especially now that JWH is out? Mm. And, you know, if they don't want to play Hutcho in the halves, what do you do with mm. Sam Walker injured? If Walker and Manu are out – 
I'd go similar to the wing, Allen out. It's not Corey Allen's fault they're losing again, but I'll do that. And if they're both out, I'd go Drew Hutchinson in the halves and just say, all right, look, here, it's your show. Mm. And just see how it goes. <clears throat> and if Joey Manu is available, I'd go him to centre and Suwali to the wing. I think the one shining light has been Billy Smith the last two weeks. Yeah, he's been he outstanding. Looks fantastic. Just, sorry, just on the Roosters, just um, not to like make excuses or anything, but I will say we said about the Warriors last week. They they play this Friday. Four games ago was the, the Anzac Day game, so they've had four games in nineteen days. So that's four, a game every Jeez. four and a half days. That's mm. a five-game turnaround. Worse than a five-game turnaround for four weeks, pretty much. So they do have that. Yeah. I mean, it's hectic for sure. Absolutely. They'll take your South membership off you for that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's definitely not favourable, that's for sure. Uh, if Put it this way, if they had have performed really strongly the first couple of weeks of that, and then the last game or two they got pumped, I would be like, yeah, that could play a part in it. But... And it clearly has played a part in it, but the fact that they got beaten by Cowboys, they only just squeezed past the Dragons, and then they they got tailed up by the Panthers. It's like clearly that there's more problems too at the Roosters. And as I said, I don't think it's a. I think they're easily top two run clubs in the comp, top three minimum. Incredibly well run club. They know how to win. They've been doing it for so long. They've been on top for so long. It's not a roster issue. We know Trent Robinson can coach. But I do think that they, as I said, they may need to take a step back individually to take a step back, step two steps forward as a team. Hutcho in reserve grade, you know, lost to the Panthers, one try, 20 runs, 127 metres, five tackle breaks, 22 tackles, one missed. Love it. Yeah, maybe. And again, that, 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 what's so shocking about it is a couple of years ago, they were decimated with injury. They came fifth. They came fifth. So it's a really long season. But I do think that how many they're very rarely would we give this much this many clubs this much like oh it's a slow start slow start, but the positive is as I said they're they're actually what a win outside the eight and the internet's bloody not working here could you check that for us Matty? <laughs> they're a win outside the eight, the top eight is so congested that makes them what two two wins from the top four, so their season can turn around and turn around quickly but. Real, real concerns. They haven't really fired shots since 2008, 2019. What's, what, where are they on the ladder? Oh, sorry. <laughs> 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 and how many wins are they outside the eight? So they're on 10, they're at 10th, they're sitting 12th, but the Warriors are 8th and they're also got 12 points. So they're one, they're one win. They're, they're in the eight on four and against, basically. So... They've got the same wins as in the top eight, but their four against has put them outside the eight. Yeah, they've had a buy, so it's one win less, and that's okay. what skews it. But yeah, the Warriors are on 12 competition points. The Roosters are on 12 competition points. So the Warriors this, are in the eight. At this stage, it takes two good games and their season's turned around pretty much. I know it's obviously coming off the back of a huge loss, but their four and against at the moment is at minus 65. That's the third worst in the competition. Wow. Only the Bulldogs and the West Tigers are worse. The, wow. the Dragons are minus 47. Wow. Well, they've got yeah, they've got the second worst attack in the NRL. Tigers last on thirteen point six points per game scored. Roosters are fifteen point seven. Wow. That's damning stats. I mean their defensive stats are pretty good though, I think, when you look at them. Yeah, well they're yeah, they're obviously skewed by that one. But yeah. So it's interesting on the ladder, if you have a look, the top six teams have positive for and against. Yeah. Everyone else is negative except for Parramatta in fourteenth who are plus twenty four. <laughs> 
So Parramatta mm. have the fifth best for and against in the league at the moment. <laughs> They're 14th. Oh, my God. Wow. Yeah. Wow. <clears throat> um, so, yeah, if this continues, I definitely think there's going to be huge <clears throat> changes at the clubs. Let's say they continue down this route. Do you think 2024, this squad looks a lot, a lot different? I think so. Yeah, mm. and I think it could. I don't know. I said last week we never ask any questions about Luke Keery. I mean, does Robbo start to get questions? He has to. Well, I think Robbo do, does get questioned for sure. Yeah. I mean, I, I know I've said it a number of times, but like if you look at the case study of Victor Radler, it's the best lock in the game three or four years ago, and he's progressively gone downhill doing the same thing every single year. Mm. Nothing's changed there. I, you know, Luke Keery hasn't. I know he's had head knocks and everything, but he hasn't been overly impressive since they won in eighteen nineteen. They've been through two young halfbacks now who are meant to be stars. Mm. The question's got to be. And you know, constantly we're sitting here watching Joey Manu play five eight, going, "It stunts everything." Mm. There was a period there where I thought that he could be a five eight for them, but I just think that they're so far away from like. A structured game plan at the moment that it'd be too it's just too hard to put in there because and, and i think he takes away from the roosters but i also think you take away from joey manu too because mm. you, you're making mm. him think not like manu you're making him you're trying to make him sort of ball play he tries to fit in and it just doesn't work he's never been a five eight never will be and you wonder why teddy's going terribly by his standards granted teddy had a slow start of the season before joey moved <laughs> to five eight but Ted, like teddy Gets killed off with Joey at five eight in a t- in attacking footy for sure. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. Um, so Roosters, it is. Uh, yeah, the pressure is absolutely building, and right now after that defeat, oh man, and it's almost ironic because that Sam Walker call, it's it's like a big elephant in the room in regards to like you. I mean, the Roosters didn't say it was his fault, and I'm not saying that they even internally think it's his fault. But he was the face of, mm. well, he's getting dropped. This is this is the reason for, as I said, I'm sure internally they were going, he's the reason we're losing. But outward looking, it was such a big story and there's been no reaction from the playing group. There's been no, you know, Sam's been dropped. Uh-oh, we're all not safe. It's just, yeah, it's, yeah. if anything, it's gotten worse. The Raiders won't treat him like that next year. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think we could be... If they don't turn it around, we could be seeing some quite dramatic scenes at the the Roosters, uh, because right now, they, as I personally believe, they got too many stars. It sounds so stupid and so bizarre, but they just there's so many guns in that side. It's crazy. I really want to see the impact that a role player in Hutcho would have. Yeah, and yeah. and have Turpin and uh, Cheese rotating. Yeah, you know, like Cheese on first twenty, bring on Turpin. Put cheese in the forward somewhere. Get him to go skits, and then if you want to put him back at nine, because like people say, oh, he's not a nine. He's not a nine. He did win Dallium at nine, but I'm pretty sure the year he did win Dallium at nine, he was rotating with Harry Grant, and so I'm pretty sure that's correct. Yep. Yeah, rotating with Harry Grant. So he does need a partner in crime, and I think that obviously Jake Turpin isn't Harry Grant, but what it can do, it can give him the time to have those runs as a forward without having to worry about being the ball player for the yeah. whole 80 minutes. Uh, I've always said when, when I say that, I think Cheese is a fantastic red zone nine, but it's the other 80 metres in the field that I just don't think he has what it takes at hooker. I really don't. And you go back to that season, like he, he won Dalian Hooker because he scored 11 tries or something. Go back and watch those 11 tries. 
And also, he had a spine that actually like fully promotes his style of footy. Yep. You got Pappenhausen, Munster, Hughes, all off the cuff front foot players. Not like don't need to be that structured. Um, I mean, basically, you've got three fullbacks in your spine and a ball running. You know, whereas obviously the Roosters don't have that. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens to the Roosters. But that is, uh, yeah, that is a disaster. Unfortunately, that loss to the Panthers. Um, now, on to the Rabbitohs defeating the Tigers 20-0. I would say there are some people who go, oh, the score doesn't really reflect the game. I agree to an extent, but I think that this game reflected for the Rabbitohs, this new look Rabbitohs that is willing to hang in clashes, willing to fight till the end. I think a few years ago, if they didn't get off to good starts, all of a sudden they'd be looking for points straight away. I think this is such an important win for the Rabbitohs to just reinforce that we can just grind games out. We don't need to score a million points in the first half. We don't need to go crazy. Yes, the Tigers and a lot of other teams would start panicking, going, oh, my God, bottom of the table is, is taking it to the form team. The Rabbitohs didn't panic for a second. And what happened? By the end, the points all came. They just poured in. I thought this was a really good performance by the Rabbitohs, and it could have been such an easy game to turn into a dogfight where they're throwing passes to get points, cutout balls there, kicks here, because they're panicking that they're not tailing the Tigers up by, you know, 20 points or whatever. They stayed so calm and just said, no, we back our grind. The points will come, and they did come. I don't have the exact quote in front of me, but I love what Latrell said after the game. So I said, this was the game we needed. Didn't come easy. We just had to hang in. We just had to stick, stick to our structures. And, and the points will come. And they did, of course, in the back end. I agree with you. I thought Sassini were the better team all along. I never felt like the West Tigers were going to win this game, despite <coughs> courageously hanging in it the entire way. And I think it was 6-0 with eight minutes to go. Mm. So credit to the Tigers on that front. But this was – I just – I love Latrell's comments in that South Sydney know who they are. They are the team that can score a million points on any given day. But they want to be the team that can get into a dogfight and just stick to their game until then they can lay points on, which I thought was great to see. Demi? Yeah, at the start of the season, if you said, uh, let's pick apart the bunnies, you'd sort of say, or their roster, you know, maybe a little light on for forwards, certainly light on for forward depth. How would they cope when they're missing key forwards? Well, they've had a stack of injuries to their pack this season, and after 11 rounds, they're sitting in first place with the second best defence in the competition. Like, Matty over there would be absolutely humming, and Bunnies fans could not be happy with this because... You mentioned the resilience they've shown and we know they've got points in them, but could they do it defensively? Could they do it defensively? Light on forwards. They've been brilliant. So couldn't be happier for, for them. And the Tigers, <coughs> I think I mentioned a week or two ago that the Warriors lost to the Roosters, possibly the best performance I've seen from a team who didn't score a point. Mm. Tigers, in terms of where the Tigers are at, yeah. Probably not far off that one. It might have might have eclipsed it. Yeah. I, I was Tigers fans should be incredible. Like how much points do you think is really the difference between two sides as squads? It's about 20 points. Like if Tigers are having a red-hot crack and Rabbitohs have a red-hot crack, when you look at those squads on paper, you'd go, probably about a 20-point difference, I reckon. And, and then you put the conditions, a dry 3 p.m. day game where the Bunnies complete at 85% mm. and they'd scored one try after 71 minutes or something. And so... I think Tigers fans should be... This is exactly where you're at. And it sounds bizarre. We got beaten 20-0. It sounds bizarre. But, like, you can only ask your team to deliver where they're at right mm. now. You can't ask them to 
week in, week out, play above themselves. You know, the Dolphins, the reason why the Dolphins story is so crazy and we all make such noise about it is because they're over-competing and we're going, wow, where did this come from? Whereas I think Tigers fans should be in pretty happy with his performance because, as I said, Rabbitohs are not only the form team in the comp, they're on top of the table. The Tigers are at the bottom of the table. They held them to 6-0 for most of the match. And 20 points on paper is probably what their rosters are compared to each other. Mm. So, yeah, I think it's incredible for both. Both teams were winners in my eyes in regards to, and I know Tigers fans and probably non-Tigers fans and non-Rabbitohs fans are going to go, are you serious? But one's on top of the table, one's at the bottom of the table. What were we just talking about? We're talking about Panthers Roosters and it was 48 to... Four. 48 to four. I mean, and you got one Roosters that were premiership favourites at the start of the year versus a, Pan- a Panther side that had yet to really put together an 80-minute performance. And then, so I think Tigers made a real good showing of themselves. But Rabbitohs, for me right now, they're favourites to, to minor premiership. Just when you look at their draw, when you look at the run that they have, as long as they stay injury-free, obviously it's a long year in rugby league, but they are looking the best they've looked I think that this is the best they've looked at this time of year since 2014. Yeah, and they, you know, they do have a good history of going on this incredible run during the mid-season, but they've started this from round one. Well, and that's the thing. Rabbitohs, always known as, oh, they're the up and down side. Like, they'll go on a run, so don't ever count them out. They've removed that and become an even better version of themselves. And I know it's their arch rival, so it's like rubbing salt into the wounds. But this is kind of where you would want the Roosters to be right now. If anything, the Roosters should kind of be where the Rabbitohs are right now in regards to they've gotten rid of this slow starter stuff, their roster is crazy, and they're just super consistent in defence and attack. But it's the Rabbitohs that have taken that next step into a top-tier club. And they've, they've got themselves in a position now where we mentioned with a few other sides and having the, the fortune of being able to rest players over the origin period if they need to. So... Cam Murray, Damien Cook, if he gets selected, Latrell Mitchell, if they, you know, get battered in origin and have a quick turnaround and they want to sit them and give them a spell, they can do it. If they're sitting eighth or ninth, like, no, we need to win games because we need to make the top eight. Well, when you're top of the table going into the origin period, then you've got that, uh, I said, the good fortune. Um, actually, some cool stats from this game, well, from multiple games, but, <clears throat> oh, my bloody internet's working. Not working. Jesus. Okay, now it's working now. How good? Okay, so <laughs> Cam Murray, 52 tackles, zero misses. Last week, Cam McGuinness, 59 tackles, zero misses. The week before, the Butcher brothers, Egan and Nat, combined for 110 tackles, zero missed. Like, we are seeing some absolutely mammoth defensive efforts that are not getting talked about quite a lot. You know, like, remember when... When the game's rules changes and we saw like four tries to three tries and these mm. mental attacking stats, we're all going, holy. But I don't – and maybe it's maybe it's happened before me, but I don't recall a time where you see week after week players making 50 to, to 60 tackles and not missing any week after week. That's usually once in a blue moon. It's almost in the unfairest way possible. It's almost becoming less impressive because it's happening all the time and we're just taking it for granted, I think. Yeah. 52 tackles and zero missed. Alex Toll, 37 tackles, one miss. Oh, no. Bad game from Toll. Bad game. <laughs> He'll be filthy rid of him. Get rid, get rid of him. Uh, and, like, and it's happening week after week. And I don't think it get, enough credit gets um, 
Well, it definitely. Defense doesn't get talked about enough. It's literally half the game. But enough credit to good instinctual defenders. And guys like the Butcher Brothers, obviously, guys like Cam Murray, Cam McInnes, like these are good instinctual defenders. They rarely miss. I mean, the job, I always bring it up, the job Cam Murray did on Dave Fafita that year was outstanding, outstanding. Um, anyway, let's just get into some performances by the players. As, as we discussed, Cam Murray, 52 tackles, zero misses. Uh, I think he also ran for 122 metres. Cody Walker on an absolute tear. Uh, who, who stood out for you? Uh, Campbell Graham for me. Once again, I know he's in our team of the week again. Uh, he's just at the peak of his confidence right now. And I, th- I think that's one thing the Tigers can take away from this. Even the two tries I conceded in the last 10 minutes. One was Campbell Graham, just being the biggest and most confident guy on the field. Mm. And the other one was exactly the same. Latrell Mitchell on the other side, just getting one-on-one with a smaller guy and either mm. coming up with a try or an offload. Um, so I love so that from Troll. We oh, just yeah. went, I'm going for a run here. Whereas, like, you know, I, th- I think maybe last year he'd be more focused on the passing. He just said, nah, brah, I'm the biggest, strongest player in the comp. He had Coda Walker with him too. Mm. He could have given it if he wanted. He just went, nah, I'll just do it myself. Yeah. Freak. Mate, unbelievable. <laughs> Timmy, who stood out for you? Tane Milne, who sort of came into that as a... You know, keeping the seat warm for Isaac Thompson. Thompson had an injury, and Tane Mills now won that spot, as far as I'm concerned. He mm. 270 metres on the weekend. Mm. We mentioned, uh, even sort of, was it last year and last couple of years, maybe their back three were a little bit small at times, and their yardage coming out of their own end, you know, possibly a bit of a downfall for them. Well, now they've got Tane Milne running for 270 metres. <laughs> a pair of tries, three line breaks. So I think, at least for the time being, when you've got a bloke who has spent time in the last 18 months playing back row in New South Wales Cup and even in the NRL, uh, not a bad spot to be in. So, yeah, Tane, it was great. Meanwhile, Isaac Thompson scored his third try with three minutes to go on the clock in reserve grade to win the game for South Sydney. Jeez, they're in a good spot. And then when we do get to the back end of the season through this origin period, we keep touching on it, but because they have had injuries through the pack, it's just got minutes into all these fringe players or mm. like bench players. So they're just so well placed. Yeah, I just, what do you reckon, Matty? Yeah, just to add to, to, to the list of players who played well, I thought our starting two front rowers, uh, Totola and Sele were good, especially because Tommy Burgess got ruled out uh, in the warm up. I'm pretty sure. And then he got replaced by Taff. Jed Cartwright lasted <coughs> about two or three minutes and Jai Arrow got HR'd as well. So uh, a few extra minutes for, the the forwards but yeah those two those I, I know they've both been in and out of the team with injury if they can stay on the field they've they've been great for South all year so yeah they've been good just on their New South Wales Cup team that I just mentioned they were down twenty two to two at half time and they won twenty six twenty two wow twenty four nil in the second half to win that one whoa right. oh my god <laughs> yeah so Rabbitohs and and what's bizarre is like I feel like they've kind of flown under the radar a little bit. In, we haven't been heading into this year. There wasn't much hype around the Rabbitohs. Mm. Did you feel any, or where, where did you have them placed? Oh, same as ever. I had them as a prelim too. Yeah. But now I'm looking at them going. They can win a comp. Mm. I think. Where do we have them placed? Top six, maybe, or top eight? <laughs> we, all, we all had them around the top six. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Anywhere from like third to, to third to six. I think. Yeah. Wow. From memory. I mean, they've exceeded my expectations. I didn't look. I didn't think they'd look this well-rounded. I thought we'd see a typical Rabbitohs year where it's like up and down, up and down, up and down. Now, it still could turn into that year, but right now, they, they look ready. I think their biggest test is that 
they look fantastic right now. They have to look this good in 20 weeks' time, mm. which I think is going to be their biggest test. What was the year you came out? Was it 15 or 16? The first 10 weeks, you looked absolutely untouchable. So 2015, and obviously this is a joke. Like I didn't believe this, but so South won the comp in 14, won the World Clock Challenge, won the Chatter Shield, won every game of the nines, and then won the first like seven games of 2015. And there was like people saying, are they ever going to lose another game ever again? But yeah, like, that, those first seven games, they were the best footy you played in that two-year period. Oh, it was, it was crazy. It was like yeah. back to back, let's go. And then, yeah, just fell off a cliff. Ended up coming seventh, I think. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, surely they've moved past that. Because, like, they're doing this with, you know, they've done this with injuries. You know, Tom Burgess injured. Like, any team, any Rabbitohs team over the past few years without Tom Burgess is nowhere near. They don't hold yeah. a candle on the team. But this team, you didn't even notice the big fellow was gone. And he's a gun. Like, so in crucial to their, their go forward. And I'll bring him up every week because I can't wait for him to return. Havili. Such a big yeah, That's another one as well. Um, so, and again, I, I said it, I think I said it last week, or maybe on the captain's run, what is bizarre about all this is Jackie Whiten hasn't even arrived. And I know this hurts, Timmy. Oh, I'm used to it by now, mate. <laughs> but Jackie Whiten, Jackie Whiten hasn't even arrived at the club yet, and this is what they're put, putting together. Yeah. Holy. You imagine this side with Jack Whiten in it? As it stands, you're going to lose anyone at the end of this season? Uh, I saw an article floating around that I think Parra and the dogs are after Sele, but officially n- not at this point. Yeah. Oof. Wow. Uh, I mean, talk about windows. Yeah. It's, it's here. The window is here for the Rabbitohs. Now, when Cody Walker does decide to retire, obviously that window, it may close, it may not. They may replace him with the young gun. But They've right got a young now, gun there, Jai Gray. Yeah. There's a very good chance, I reckon. Um, now, Jai Gray's, fr- Jai Gray's friends, I don't know who he is yet, but don't <laughs> don't send me uh, any... If he comes in and scores a try, don't send me abuse. <laughs> I will be happy to know him when he does come in. No, no, it's all good, as so, I said. You know when, you know when like, good things happen and then as more time passes, they, they get a little bit better and more exaggerated as you kind of forget about them? Turns out we only won the first three games in 2015. It wasn't quite the first seven. <laughs> <laughs> Seven, <laughs> three, Jesus. Three on the trot. Three on the trot. Stop it. That's rugby league for you, though. That's rugby league for you. Like the amount of people that get that get angry at me for, um, or last year with the Parra Eels thing, I was getting smashed. Like, oh fuck, you serious? And then now this year, it's the because I think Roosters can just go on a crazy run. The whole season can turn around quickly. Mm. People don't like hearing that. You know, it's wild. When you said the first seven games, I thought that was unders. I thought it was close to the <laughs> Rugby league. Well, it, do you know the Raiders last season, they, <laughs> they lost their first 22 games <laughs> and made a late run to finish top eight. And rattled the cages yeah. of the big dogs. Um, so, yeah, Rabbitohs, as we said, unbelievable. So exciting for the Rabbitohs. And like just the superstars that they have in their side, like – you know, they they love the big moments. They love the banter. They love the chat. They throw out lines themselves. It's great. It's great for rugby league. 2013 it was. You won your first nine of ten games. That's right. We lost, to, we lost to Melbourne. That's right. Yeah. yeah. And Oh, that's yeah, obviously when Roosters won the comp. Yeah. Uh, now onto the Tigers' um, performance. As I said, guys, I, I thought this was an incredibly gutsy performance. And you cannot ask more from your team than... 
a really high completion rate and just ripping in. And that's exactly what they did. And yes, the end score ended up to 20 nil. But to say you you went with the form tonight of the comp for 70 minutes, there's plenty to build on there. And I think that Brooks is just growing in confidence, just growing and growing. You can see him directing traffic. You can see him demanding the ball. And although I still think that the, there's too much water under the bridge and, and um, you know, it'd be best for him to be picked up by another club, you have to give raps where raps due and they look much better, much better. Good. Six nil after seventy-two minutes against South Sydney would have caused a street parade at Leichhardt a month ago. Yeah. <clears throat> from where from where they were to have two wins and then to have you know be within six points of firing, you know, almost fully fit South Sydney side with ten minutes to go. Take the positives out of it. Um, definitely trending in the right direction for West mm. Tigers. You mean? Yeah. Sort of spoke about it a little bit before how. It, it was a pretty scoreline. Definitely didn't reflect the game. Dream Buller, I just I love watching him play. For a young bloke to come in against tough opposition in not tough opposition, mm. the best teams in the competition in the last three weeks since debuting, being Penrith <coughs> and South Sydney, he just never looks flustered by anything. He's so good under the high ball. His support plays really good. He ran for 190 or 190 meters, 21 runs on the weekend. Mm. He really could be just the, the long-term fullback for him. I, I love him. And also, like, what I love about Buller is, like, he's going to fill out his body. Mm. You can see physically he probably looks around six foot, six foot one. He'll fill out quite a bit and quite become quite hard to handle in contact. His ball playing's good, and again, at his age, it's only going to get better and better. So... I loved as well, too, the amount of times they kicked to uh, David Nofaluma and Buller just went, yep, I want it. Yeah. Give it to me and I'll return. I love seeing that from young guys. Yeah. Uh, I think Safatoa is getting better yeah. and better and better. He, when he left the Knights, I felt like there was quite a lot of potential there that just never really got... I, I don't know what happened. Maybe it's hard to be harsh on the Knights because maybe it was just too big of an offer and they wanted to keep um, Safatoa there. And also, you look at the Knights' back line. It is, he's pretty bloody good at the moment. Yeah. Uh, but Safatoa, the more games he gets... He's got electric footwork. He's so strong for his size. I mean, this game alone against the best team in the comp right now, 24 runs, 203 metres, 68 post-contact, two tackle breaks, 15 tackles, two offloads, only one miss. Like, it's a bend. That's a great knock. A great knock. There's just something about him, isn't there? Mm. You can tell there's more there as well. So, yeah, I think he... I think when he signed with the Tigers, we spoke about him that he played fullback for the New Zealand under 19s or yeah, yeah, those lines. Yeah. He was very impressive there. So I think it's been a really good get by the Tigers, and uh, yeah, I still think he's got plenty to offer. Isaiah Papali, I thought was good. I thought Bateman was outstanding. He's warming into it. Yeah, you got to remember that Bato didn't have a preseason. There was injury impacted. He had a foot injury at ankle injury or something, and then was over in England and couldn't get his visa cleared. So he. Not having a pre-season. I'm sure he was obviously doing stuff over there, but not doing it with the squad and being so interrupted. It takes it out of you, so he's getting there, isn't he? Yeah, absolutely. Far out he can impact a game as a forward. And in, in his own unique way, it's it's really... he. No one plays like Johnny Bateman. No one does. Like He does all these unorthodox things that you're basically told not to do, but he nails them and he breaks games apart with these moments that they're never going to make the highlight real. But if you actually watch the match, you go, what a big play from Johnny Bateman. 
must be must be so frustrating. Like not frustrating, but as a coach, you know, you're telling your team what to do, what not to do, and you almost just want to say to John, just ignore everything. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You, you do the opposite. You do whatever the hell you want to do in that moment, and it's okay. And yeah. defensively preparing for him, you can't. You, can, you <laughs> literally can't. Yeah. You literally can't. So, yeah, Tigers, uh, as I said, yeah, 20-0 loss, but there's a lot to like this past few weeks. There's a lot to like. 20-0 against a form side, it's not the end of the world, that's for sure. You're nowhere near the shell of yourselves that you were in round one. Uh, so I would, uh, yeah, I'd be excited, Tigers fans, getting better. Store shout-outs, Lake Illawarra Hotel, Baltimore Hotel Manager, Shay, big fan, and store manager, Zoltan. Zoltan, the great Zoltan. <laughs> Ranging both midi and lager, that is Shay and Zoltan. What a crew! What is it? Z- what is it? Shay and Zoltan. Zoltan. <laughs> Zoltan. <laughs> Zoltan. I tell you what, though, Lake Elora Hotel has been with us from the very start. So make sure to get down to your local, grab a case of bloke beer. They stock midi and lager. Shay and Zoltan, uh, legends down there, Lake Elora Hotel. North Nowra Hotel Bottle Mart. Store manager Kev, range midi and lager. That's the North Nowra Hotel Bottle Mart. Warilla drive through manager Linda, stocking lager and midi, and midi. So pull up and have a yarn and walk out with some bloke. How good. Cronin's Liquor, the great Cronin's Liquor, the famous Cronin's Liquor in Jeringong. Store manager Matt is back from holidays and they are stocked up with lager. I've actually been down to that great store, great little store. Now on to Cowboys defeating the Dragons. Uh, first consecutive game wins this year for Cowboys, but... We're seeing this is what we thought they were going to be. This is what we thought they were going to be. Now, that late, I guess, push from the Dragons was a little bit concerning. But Cowboys friends from three weeks ago would absolutely kill for a win like this. They were dominant. Uh, They managed to wrangle uh, momentum back in that last, I guess, five minutes or so. Helam Lukey outstanding. Reese Robson looked as we said earlier, you need a pack to be able to play well as a nine. Robson, last two games, probably his better games so far this year. Uh, what do you guys think of the Dragons? We Cowboys. said two weeks ago, the Cowboys, we, we'd love to see them look like they're enjoying rugby league again. Yeah. Good God. As soon as we said that, they came out in magic round and, you know, not ideal conditions or whatnot, but they looked to be enjoying <coughs> themselves. And Every I, play, yipping and yahooing. Yeah. And they were... <laughs> <laughs> Every fucking play. <laughs> Pass the ball, fuck yeah. <laughs> Make it tackle. Yahoo there. You know what? They're watching NFL. <laughs> fucking yip there. Yahoo over there. Win a, win a fucking game in a row, mate. <laughs> oh, that broke me. Um, yeah, they were yipping and yahooing to quote one. Um, <laughs> no, but they, they, they just look happy playing footy at the moment. I think, you know, we said at the start of the year when he wasn't there, Scott Drinkwater, that he makes such a difference. And, finally start to see it this weekend just that little bit of spark that he provides for them and i know we already mentioned him in our team of the week but lukey <laughs> mate thanks holy. for coming this jesus freak and he's a kid still like building into his body can you get his age up 21 maybe timmy what do you reckon of the cowboys yeah as a standalone game i could be a little bit critical in that you know the dragons obviously not throwing much defensively they end up putting on how many was it? 22 points on them. But because it was backed up from that amazing win against the Roosters last week, I look at it in a completely different light going, you know what, they're building some momentum in attack. As you said, there was two late tries, three pretty late tries to be fair from the Dragons. So <coughs> once they'd already essentially won the game. So yeah, like win to win for the Cows. Their attack is starting to come. 
They've got players due back soon. Jason Taumalolo could be back as soon as this week, which will obviously be enormous for them. Going into the origin period, they'll lose a couple from here and here. But, yeah, they're, I mean, they're not entirely back on track. Yeah. They're, they're getting there. Uh, he turned 22 last month. Turned 22 last month. Well, well what we said must have been probably two weeks ago that I think we said going into the Roosters game long before that they had to win, otherwise their season was gone. <coughs> they've gone win-win. So was the Knights game. Pretty Knights sure. Game. If they couldn't beat the Knights, I said they can't make the eight. Mm. Uh, yeah, it was the not definitely not. And game, so, actually. I will be honest. I have to be honest. You guys know I'll be honest. A couple of weeks ago, privately, I don't think publicly, but privately, I'd put a line through them. <coughs> I'd go on, I just can't see it. Mm. They don't look anywhere near. Now, I'm not saying that they'll make the eight, uh, but I'm getting a bit more nervous about that line through them. I mean, you know, because yeah. these are good quality wins. Yeah, it's against the Dragons, but you have to remember the Dragons have only lost by one to two points for five matches in a row. And the Cowboys, I, I don't underestimate or underappreciate the fact that the Cow the Dragons have been hard to put away by, yeah. you know, much teams much higher than themselves. And so I think it's a great win. And to score 42 points too, just to know that you have that in you, it's a good thing to have. Uh, so, yeah, as Cowboys fans, not fully back on track yet but definitely trending in the right direction. Oh, I like too. Like it was obviously, um, what was it, 24 to 6 at halftime, but, you know, we, we, which is a big scoreline at halftime. But I thought the Dragons in the first few minutes came out firing. I sort of thought mm. the Dragons would come to play here. Jack mm. Bellin scored very early, uh, which I think for the last 10 weeks might have rattled the Cowboys a little bit, but they just seemed to bounce back straight away. What about that field goal that Bell Hines? Oh, <laughs> monster. <laughs> Absolute. When he th when they threw it to Townsend and then he threw it back to town uh, to Holmes, I was like, "Bloody hell! You nearly you nearly near your own goal line here. It's way too far out. Just monstered it. Hits him so sweetly. Far out. Thank God he's a Queenslander. Yeah, really happy for you. <laughs> <laughs> I tell you what. I know we came through it with the the messages, but it really is Origin time. It's like. It's almost like a natural season for Queensland players. <laughs> it's almost like they can smell it in the can air. We get Joey Johns. Yeah. <laughs> they can smell it in the air because Queensland players have just hit red hot form. KP comes out, does what he does. Fafita's been killing it. Obviously, Val Holmes. I mean, people are saying that Hamiso may get the centre spot for Queensland, but I think Dangagai's been bloody pretty good this year. I'd have Hamiso on the wing for sure mm. in my side. So you would you have someone on the other one? Yep. And Hamiso, the other one. I mean, then you got Xavier that has that crazy run where you go, oh, Taolangi. And you got Taolangi as well. So, yeah, it's exciting. You're going him, aren't you, on the wing? I think so. I think I have Taolangi. Yeah, I'm, I'm a bit unsure on Taolangi because, like, he hasn't been that great since coming back, I think, from injury. Mm. But he was quite solid when he played mm. for Australia. He was good for us, decent for us last year. I put it this way if, and it's going to sound biased as, but if Corey Oates was injury free, it would be Selwyn and Corey Oates for me. Fair. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. I, I would too. If yeah. Oates had played the season, didn't have his injury risk, but yeah. Um, but anyway, back to the Cowboys. Uh, I mean, Oates is, I think it'll be too soon for him, but he's also a big chance to come back this week. So we get one game. Oh, really? Claim. Yeah. Wow, and he didn't go too bad when he played, it was a game three last year. Mm. The big goats, my goats. So a team's getting picked next. <laughs> what? Goats, my goats. Oh, no. Rhymes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm on that. You're on today, mate. I like it. <laughs> um, 
I have no idea what I was going to say. <laughs> Team Sunday night. Oh, yeah, Sunday night, is it? Monday or, now. Uh, yeah, so Monday now. it's funny. So Freddie said Monday on Copy TV. Queensland. Copy Queensland. <laughs> Copy Queensland. Freddie said Monday on TV, but I caught up with some ex co-workers yesterday and they thought it was Sunday and they were pretty high up. So I don't know. It's either Sunday or Monday. Well, Freddie def- he said- Freddie like, definitely said Monday. Definitely said we're changing it to Monday. If I was Freddie, I would 100% pick it on Monday. Because Turbo plays 4pm Sunday. I'd want to see. I want to talk to him after and see how he's going. Do you reckon Turb... We'll we'll get to Manly. We'll get to Manly. Um, I mean, I feel like we're doing a bit... Origin a bit of a disservice because we're not really... We're speculating a little bit. We're not really talking that much about it. And it's only two weeks away pretty much. But don't worry. I'm sure we won't miss it in the next few weeks. There'll be a five-hour podcast next week just on Origin. Uh, But... Who do you think stood out for you guys in the Cowboys side? Yeah, Drinky was the one that I already mentioned that I thought did really well. Hi, I'm Lukey. Just, he just excites me so much. I think he's got so much raw ability. It's insane. Uh, I thought Tommy did solid once again. Um, just a very... Strongest hips in the game, I reckon. <laughs> Be a good Oztager. Mate, you had a bloody tackle so he breaks through with those strong hips. Big, I was going to say baby bearing hips, but they're not that strong. <laughs> but they're strong hips. I'm of the Joey Moles. Joey had strong hips. What happened to Kempy? Where did he go? <laughs> Who is this guy tonight? Yeah. Well, tell me, Dearden doesn't have strong hips. He's always pushing through tackles. The great Dearden. <laughs> One of the great hips all time. Who stood out for you, Tim? <laughs> I was in the water up in up in Byron this week. I weekend. don't know, man. Well, yeah, what yeah what happened in Byron? I can't say. NDAs, all kind of crazy stuff. <laughs> I, I was Lukey as well. It was just because we wrap him rapping on this all this show all the time, and he's obviously can find an injury. Poor old Lukey came out for a lengthy one this season, then had his hammy twinge, you know, sort of six to eight weeks ago, missed a stint. Like the Dragons' defence on him for the tries wasn't great, but he's that good a player. I think he'll score a lot of tries that make him defences look weak and look silly mm. because he's so strong. Mm. So. I mean, it's, I think coming back from injury and with your forward depth, Queensland's probably not in the equation just yet, but if we get – there's a couple of injuries and we get to game two or three, you'll be in the conversation. Well, I, I, I'll put it out there. I reckon if he plays since round one, he would be in the conversation. Yeah. Um, he would definitely be in the yeah, conversation. because he is so good. And the, the, the unique thing about Helam, he's so tall, he's so big, he's actually got a hectic motor. Like, he can go out mm. and make 40 tackles for you if, if you want. He is – I cannot wait to see him flourish as a player – Really count. I remember, wasn't he nearly? He scored on his one of his debut. Oh no, he ran down. He ran down. Kalen Ponger, I think. I think Ponger ended up scoring. It may have been another player, but we're talking about a bloody six foot four giant. And also, I think he was nearly in tears when he scored on his debut or something mm. like that. But this is a passionate. Like, if you want to make a guy for your team, Helam Luke is that guy. Was his debut try a beast as well? Didn't like. Pound through like two or three blokes and ran about 30 metres and slammed it down with some bloke hanging off him. Would have been a hip drop these days, but yeah, yeah, it was, exactly. I feel it was an unreal debut yep. try. I think, as you said, like if he would have played all the games this year, he'd be in the conversation. If he wouldn't have got injured last year, it could be an incumbent in that side. Yeah, yeah. Uh, agreed. He is so exciting and as long as he stays injury free, we are just scratching the surface. He's barely played NRL. What? He'd be at 15 games right now or so? Max? Yeah, not much more. Not much more than that. Uh, so great stuff. What else I really like is sometimes the stats do tell a picture, sometimes they don't. 
But you look at the backs, 122 metres, 200 metres, 213 metres, 169, 145, 120. And then their forwards, obviously their meterage is down. And what I love about that is it's a very clear game plan that the stat sheet is showing us. It's like right there for you to see. We make our forwards do all the hard tackling, the line speed, and we get our backs to come in and get us the meterage that we need. He's on 30. He got a a few at the back end of 2021. Okay, so he's on 30 games. 30 NRL games and he's... Oh, man, we are just... Just getting started with his beast. Um, anything else stand out for you guys? All good, mate. No, I think with the Cowboys, we just <clears> – <throat> I want to see it for another two weeks. Small sample size so far, it's been good, but you just they're, – they're a team that should be able to consist – and we said this, even when they were going through their poor patch at the start of the season, we said, geez, they're a team that could win two, and then they could win eight in a row. Mm. So hopefully they can find some real – who have they got this week? Tigers at Leichhardt. Very winnable. He'll be Very out there. Winnable. How good is yeah. that going to be? Saturday, Saturday at five thirty. Hey, it could be eating me, me private words. Could be eating me private words. But as I said, I'll, I'll be honest. I had a line to him probably even see, even after the Knights win because they just scraped through, didn't they? They just scraped yeah. through against the Knights. I was like, that was not convincing to yeah. me. <clears throat> but getting a bit nervous. Getting a bit nervous. They they may make a late push for the eight, and it's exciting. It's exciting. Well, if they win this week against the Tigers, they then play Parramatta, which is round thirteen. So there's um, obviously Origin players out, so that helps their cause. The week after that, round fourteen is the few days after Origin. They play Melbourne in North Queensland. Oh wow! So real opportunity, opportunity yeah. For the Cowboys, so it's to, four. They yeah. could pick up eight points if they have a really good month of footy into a bye. Well, the Para one round thing is going to be tough because Para will probably only lose Junior Barlow. And then Cowboys are already been without so Regan. Like, so yeah. But, but also Paris sitting Sean, 15th. Sean Lane as well. Like but Cows will be missing, what, Cotter. That's true, yeah, that's fair, actually. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. Cotter, Val. Yeah. yeah, okay. Still, like, they'll, they'll, they'll keep their entire spine sure. together. Yeah. They'll yeah. get Taumalolo back, so, yeah. yeah. Uh, I'm just looking at that. Eels are 14th. Cowboys are 13th. Cowboys are on 10 points. Eighth is 12 points. Yeah, it's so tight. Holy. Well, I mean, don't put a line through them at all. They very much could make the eight. Yeah. Very much could make the eight. That is bizarre. How tight the table is, is absolutely bizarre. The Raiders are a game off first. Bro. Get that in you. <laughs> 10 points for Cowboys on 13th. And then third is 14 points. So 10th, so they're coming 13th is only two wins off third. To, to put it into like something actually happened after round eight, Manly was second, and after round ten, they were out of the top eight. Wow. Mm. Um, so exciting times, Cowboys. I wouldn't I wouldn't say they're definitively back. We're not watching the same Cowboys side as we saw um, last year. But in their defence, they're missing Nanai, Leilua, um, couple Tamalolo. Tamalolo. Mm. Fuck, didn't even think of that. <laughs> they scored forty points without Tamalolo. That's actually pretty outstanding. Okay. Well, that's, yeah, that's exciting. Cowboys fans, get on them. Ride them. <laughs> Oats my goats. Um, <laughs> um, uh, okay, let's talk about the Dragons. Uh, hate talking about this stuff, as you guys all know, but I, I don't see a world where Hook's here for much longer. Uh, as a first grade coach, I think that the, the drums are just beating too loudly. 44 points put on you by a team currently running 13th. I think at the time they probably were sitting 15th. Uh, yeah, there was a late fight back for sure. 
But there's one decision for me where I go, I am... And to be fair, the Dragons did have some really rough calls against them. Like that Sinbin, I think they Sinbin the wrong bloke. If anyone, Sloan should have been Sinbin. But the call where I think that it might be an issue for Hawken, maybe... I'm not maybe. He definitely would have his own reasons for doing it. But the fact that they were behind by so much, Sullivan gets sent to the bin incorrectly for one. And I don't know why Hunt wasn't allowed to challenge that call. Um, but then Sullivan doesn't get put back on for the rest of the game. I find that I just, I've tried to think of it from every angle in regards to, okay, what is Hook thinking in this scenario that I'm aware of in regards to playing ability? And I just cannot for the life of me understand when you're chasing points, you've got a guy that scored two tries last week after not playing first grade for a while, if I recall correctly, and then he doesn't get back on the field. And I think that, if you needed ammo, I guess, to say, you know, maybe this is the time to go. We got tailed up. We're not going too well. You could see that as ammo for him to go. Because I, I just don't – I disagree with that decision to keep Sullivan off for the rest of the game. 100%. And can't say it, you know, definitely whatever. But, I mean, that almost seemed personal to me. How could he not possibly put him back on the field when they're chasing points like that? After his performance the week before and everything, I just don't. And I understand he got Simbin, but like there was nothing he could have. Like it almost He's, felt like he was punishing him for getting Simbin. Yeah, because like it's like you can see the replay like us. Like Sullivan clearly didn't do that anything felt personal wrong. Personal to me, I I that, that I just it makes no sense to me whatsoever. There's clearly this talent in Sullivan, and we don't see what goes on behind the scenes. But it feels like there's been whether it's been personal or whatever. It feels like there's always been a reluctance to play Jaden Sullivan. Even when he's killing in reserve grade, mm. or then they bring him up, I want to play him hooker and play him hooker off the bench. And like, he couldn't have done more for me last week when he scored those two tries and looked unreal. We nearly had him as our seven of the yeah, week yeah. in he a losing side. 20 minutes into the game, he gets binned. And when he got binned, they could have brought him back on. They used an interchange to keep him off, I believe. Well, so well. most Zembai came on yeah. instead of him being brought back on. And to my understanding, Okay, so they wasted an interchange yeah. to bring Mbai on. Yeah, like, I, I, as you said, I would love to know what Hook's thinking behind that was because I can't make any rationale for it. I, there's, there's nothing that makes sense to me. And we don't see the inner workings, but we have to call it like we said. Like, I, I disagree with the call. Like, mm. I think it's a wrong call. And I think that you're a team chasing points. And there's an argument to be made that Sullivan can score more points than Ben Hunt. You know, that, you know, that's how good yeah. he is in attack. Like, there's an argument to be made. On, on, on top of that, like, so Hunt went back into the halves, yeah? Yeah, and then Moses So he went back nine. into the halves. Hunt through crafty dummy half play, put Jack DeBellin through a try two minutes into the game. Mm. Yeah. After last week, Sullivan scored a double and the spine sort of, you know, we can work with this. And, and then he went back to, nah, Ben, back to half back. Yeah, exactly. That's a great point because it's like, well, aren't, aren't you trying to build towards this future of mm. Sullivan and Moan? Like last week we go, we give Hook raps. We go, finally, he's going to make the call. It's a tough call, a really tough call that putting Hunt at nine, we know Hunt doesn't want to play there. But you do see some dividends beginning, like as you said, Hunt puts DeBellin over. I, it just doesn't make sense to me. And if you're a higher up looking for reasons, <coughs> surely you're going to go, mate. Like, That's a good one. All of our young fellas seem to be struggling under Sloan is just way too inconsistent at the moment. And I think you look at even like Suli, Fainite, all of these young players, Lomax getting dropped. 
like, are they developing as well as they should be? And then you look at Max Fainai, who went into centre, who had a bit of a barry, didn't have his best so game defensively, and so did Sully. And you go, I don't know how much time Fainai spent at centre coming through the grades. It might have been a heap, but... I thought he'd been quite good on the wing. Now I get that they had brother Matt on one wing and Ravalau. And look, I, I'm not against dropping a bloke like Zach Lomax. If you're not happy with the performance, you give him a shake up, a bit of a kick in the butt. But you've got Max there who was carved up and then Zach Lomax in reserve grade. He's been in there for what, two or three weeks now, reserve grade. Yeah. On the weekend, he yeah, was just good. Not a lot sort of adds up. And also, I don't... Did we really think Lomax was playing that poorly? Mm. It doesn't make if any it's, sense. Like, he's clearly, the, you know, the best centre option for the club. If you do want to give him a kick up the bum and a bit of a shake-up, a week or two max in reserve game. Yeah, yeah, you get him back up. Then you get him back up. But oh, this no. idea... And then... And, and even the fact that, like, Suli is now, you know, having those drop balls. Like, there's clearly unrest in that camp. I, yeah. it's It feels... Um, irresponsible to make such a harsh call in regards to the camp because we don't know what is the inner workings but from the outside looking in when you just look at purely the way they play it just seems like there's unrest like, and, like maybe something happened with sullivan maybe something happened with low match and all that we don't know about uh, why was there the unrest in the first place and why yeah. is there these issues behind the scenes so it's just hard to make case and it's not just one player like if you had one superstar coming <laughs> through that struggled to find his potential that happens at every club mm. but it does seem like a lot of the young guys at the Dragons right now haven't kicked on to where they should probably be right now. Uh, and that just, the, the blame shouldn't all be at Hook's feet. But when I see decisions like that, because I, I, there's a lot of stuff that Hook does that I do like, that I think is great. And I do think that sometimes he does get the best out of older players that are a bit past it, you know, squeezes the juices mm -hmm. out of the players that may be past their prime. But... With this younger, this next generation that, that have come through at the Dragons, it just doesn't seem to be working, man. It doesn't seem to be working. And I think that for a long time, or for the last two years anyway, you know, Anthony Griffin's been so heavily linked to Ben Hunt, keeping him there. But <sighs> I'm sorry, even with Ben Hunt playing unbelievable footy and Hook being there, what's the best they finished 10th? <laughs> if you're playing finals footy because Anthony Griffin's there and he's keeping Ben Hunt happy, sweet. But Ben Hunt went as close as he's probably ever going to get to winning a Daly M last year. You finished 10th. On top of that as well, when Mary McGregor was coached, for all his detractors, he had five to six origin players that he had at that team that he attracted. And unfortunately, Anthony Griffin has just unable, been unable to attract any superstar to the club. Like Benny Hunt was already there. I'm sure he could have attracted Benny Hunt because they've got such a close relationship. But outside of that, like what, what superstar has been... Mm. I mean, what have we even spoken about in the papers in regards to linked to superstars? No, like there's been no real substantial link to anyone. A bloke that we were all pretty high in this season, we thought it had been really good, Josh Kerr. Played 19 minutes. So Kerr, 19 minutes off the bench, which is, you know, he's, he's a damaging ball runner. Like he's a damaging ball runner. A few weeks ago, he was fantastic. Um, Dragons... So, yeah, to just to double confirm, on NRL.com, it has interchange number two, uh, Sullivan off, M by on, which was like one second after he came back from the sim bin. So, as far as we know, it burned an interchange. Because they could have just got Sullivan on because he already had a 15-minute, 10-minute uh, break. Mm. <clears throat> and also, I think they used only seven interchanges. Only seven interchanges, yeah. What? I don't understand. I don't understand. Anyway. Gla glass half full for them, and this has been very uh, silver lining, looking at the optimistic side of it. But 
as you said, they what lead into this game or something like five games in a row, like a combined loss margin of 19 points or something ridiculous. So not far off the pace. They conceded three tries in that 10 minutes that Jaden Sullivan was in the bin oh, no. and just turned well, essentially end of the game there. Now, in one regard, you sit there and go, you're a player down, you have to get up for those 10 minutes and you have to be better, of mm. course. But <clears throat> such a, again, a debatable sim bin was it a call that had to be made and that essentially ended the game? Yeah. Now, again, I'm looking after the Jaden's because they have to be better, but still. Yeah. I know, it affects the game. It yeah. affects the game. And, you know, we talk about these sim bins that, like, it affects careers. It, there's so much more than just, oh, yeah, a bit of a footy that, oh, yeah, we lost a player. Like, this could be the loss. If they win this game, is Hook under this much pressure? Like, no, it's relief for an extra week. and Sullivan stays on... <clears throat> Kills that game, locks down the seven spot after two big performances in yeah, a row. Like potential, 100% could happen. Uh, let's talk about some positives, though. Jack DeBellin Can I get been... one more negative in? Okay, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, I'm sorry to kick one down, but I just thought this play had to be highlighted. When Bud Sullivan's off, um, it ends up... I think it's Heimlich's first try. Cowboys make a break down the right-hand side. Ben Hunt is defending three in on the other side. Mm. He makes the try-saving tackle on Chad Townsend mm. in front of the stick, so he hovers all the way around, makes that tackle. Ruben Cotter dubbings from dummy half. Ben Hunt makes that tackle. Then it goes to Scott Drinkwater on the other side tramp line. Remember that Ben Hunt's meant to be defending on the other tram mm. line. He makes that tackle. No one helps him. Drinkwater gets an offload away, and Lukey beats three defenders in three metres <laughs> to score. Oh. You're letting Benny Hunt down. He deserves there. better. He deserves so much better than what he got on the weekend. How dejected was Pearl to Hunt? Two weeks in a row, but on the weekend after that game, he's 300th. And they, they've obviously they interviewed him after this week. They interviewed him last week mm. as well. He was just shattered. Shows how much he loves that club, how yeah. hard he's putting in. He's just going, he's getting nothing in return. Go and watch that play. 25th minute. It's unbelievable. Yeah. Benny Hunt deserves better. He absolutely deserves better. And some of these drop balls were just, these were cl just classic, just straight drops. These weren't good clean hits. These weren't at the line, pressure passes. These were just straight up, not concentrating, drop balls. And I just think that you've got a guy like Ben Hunt who is so respected throughout the community. I know the players didn't go out intentionally to play poorly, but I hope it is a real wake-up call to how important these games are and how much they can mean to someone. Like, that's his 300th game, he has to remember. Like that. Yeah, Benny Hunt, after everything he's done, how hard he's worked. And yes, I understand he's on a big contract, but, you know, he, he if there's anyone in that team that could go, you know what, I'm not making three tackles in a row, it's him. Um, Birdie's having a crack. As I was say, let's talk about the positives. Yeah. Tabellin has been outstanding for the past month. Absolutely outstanding, in my opinion. Jackie, Birdie, Jackie Bird ripped and teared all game long. Um you know, 150 metres, nine tackle breaks, 31 tackles, zero misses. DeBellin, uh, a similar stat, 39 tackles, zero misses, Jeez. 140 metres. And so when you look at that, there is still some fire there. There's still some, I guess, just wanting to be in the match. But unfortunately, their handling just, just let them down. It really did. Uh, do you think Jack Bird's in origin conversations at all? I know I'm not... Throwing him in there, I'm just saying, do you think he is in? Because I actually think he wouldn't make a bad off-the-bench player. I think he'd be a name on the whiteboard, but I still mm. think he's a distant away. Distance away, yeah. yeah. Interesting, Kai, I hadn't, I hadn't even considered it, to be honest, but, like, another one of them calls of, if it was 
playing at a more successful club at the moment, he'd be right in the conversation. Yeah, because he is an origin player. Yeah. Like suits so origin. So versatile off the bench. Played essentially anywhere. Yeah. Um, and he loves the physicality of it all. <sighs> I don't mind that at all. What, have you thought about him at all? No, didn't think of it till you just said it, but... <laughs> Typical New South Welshman. <laughs> Give your players no respect. <laughs> no, just joking, <laughs> just joking. Um, no, I just thought I'd throw it out there because even Jack DeBell, like, this is what happens when you're, you know, at a club that's struggling. You know, you've got guys playing well like Jack Bird and, you know, just not going to get a, a look in mm. for Origin. Whereas if you put him in, you get the Storm, the Rabbitohs, even the Roosters, he probably is getting a look in and they're struggling. Uh, it's unfortunate how it's played out for a guy like Jack Bird. Like, just where, like, obviously he won the Combat Cronulla early in his career, but then he arrived at Brisbane. He had all the injuries. It was a really poor time for Brisbane as well. Comes down to St George. They're not overly successful either. Uh, just, I feel like if he would have landed in the right system for a long period of time. He just got so unlucky, the Broncos. So unlucky. Like, yeah. the injuries and that. Um, anything else to say about the Dragons, boys? No. Nah. Does Hooks out the week? I don't think so. I'll say no. Yeah, I don't think so. Yeah, I hate to say it. As I always say on this podcast, you never want to see a bloke lose his job, but I just think that it's... And I want to say as well, I think Hook's been unfairly done by by the Broncos as well. We can sit here and talk about the calls that he gets wrong, but for them to come out basically at the start of the season and say he needs to re-interview, even if they thought that internally... I just think it was really unfair on Hook and put him in a position of basically can't win. Like, how can he get these boys up and believe in him if they already know he's pretty much gone? Well, the, I mean, the club doesn't believe him. They've openly said, yeah. you need to re-interview. So I think that was really unfair on Hook from, from the Dragons. I really think that they should have handled that all internally. I think they should have probably made a quite a strong decision of they either sticking with him or not, told him privately and said, mate, you got... The rest of the season to audition for a new club or whatever you want to do whereas the idea of like having to re-interview i thought that was really unfair on him i, I have to be honest yeah and i think it started even earlier than that when ben hunt said that you know start of the season they have to win x amount of games at the start or he knows the coach is gone so unfair. ben hunt doesn't just pull that out of nowhere he's been told that yeah that, that's if you don't if you disagree with a, the way a coach coaches or you disagree <coughs> with him even being there as a head coach I think sometimes some at clubs, they forget what the end goal is. The end goal is not your personal opinion being put forward and taken. The end goal is to win footy matches. And I just, I, I would argue that putting out there that he has to re-interview, is that the best environment for the club to win footy matches? Now, it may suit your environment and your agenda of what you want at the club, but is it the best environment for you in footy matches? And I don't think it is. I don't think it is. Yeah, I, I think potentially they were setting up their agenda there. Which which is unfair, which yep. is unfair. Again, okay, so if they had come out, if they had gone privately and said, Hook, we're not backing you, do you think there would have been much uproar from the fans? Like if, if he did get moved on? And so I just think there's a better way to go about it and yep. you get the same result mm. from the Dragons, which is the replacement of Anthony Griffin. I think it will, like whoever, just whoever the Dragons pick as their next coach, they have to get it right because... They cannot afford to have a third coach in five years. Oh. Just, they're not attracting guys now. If they go through another coach, oh. and whoever they get will be the next guy. He's meant to do this. He's meant to do that. 
If it doesn't, if that doesn't work, then they're in really danger territory. Yeah, and I think also the board, even though that's so much easier to say, they've got to be united and they have to give him the keys to the castle. Don't have a divided board where we wanted this guy and he's not going well, so now we're going to undermine him. I think the board need to be fully united in their decision and say, mate, you've got the keys to the castle for the next three years. And I would go similar to the Andrew Webster route where he recruited smart, the right guys that, you know, fringes and guys that could get a job done and then build on top of that. I think Warriors did it really, really well. And what's crazy as well about the Warriors, they have to do it from New Zealand. I was just about to say, if Andrew Webster can convince guys to move to New Zealand, you can move to, you can <laughs> to convince Wollongong. guys to come down to Sizzler at St George. Mate, 100%. 100%. <laughs> now, on to the next game. Raiders defeat the Eels. Uh, Raiders get the job done against the Eels. Uh, post-match, um, Brad Arthur came out and basically said that uh, they got dudded by a penalty count. And although I agree with Arthur in regards to they got dudded on some very poor calls, unfortunately, when you completed 68%, the calls aren't the reason that you lost. And I yeah. thought that I didn't – although I, what's crazy is I agree with Brad Arthur. They got dudded. It is not best – the environment of the team to come out and say it publicly and definitely not privately to the players when you completed 68%. Now, if they had completed at 90% or 85, let's say 85%, and he had said the same thing, I would have said, yeah, maybe he has a case. They, what was it, 10-3 penalty count? Maybe he has a case. But when you're completing at 68%, it's just, you can't be blaming the penalty count. Refs were not the reason why they lost. I, I don't know. I don't know about you two, but I still thought the best team on the park won the game. And I, I don't think you can convince me otherwise. So, mm. I, yeah, I, I didn't like the look from Brad Arthur either. I thought it was um, – just wasn't called for. It was just a bad look. I, especially you completed 68%. Yeah. Take care of your own backyard. And yeah. Then, yeah. Then, then start looking at calls. And as I said, I agree. Some of those calls were outrageous. Like, oh, my God. But yeah, it's not the, it wasn't the rest's fault that they lost. I just Jimmy? hate when ref uh, – sorry, coaches come out and, and – point out the penalty count like mm. let's even obviously there's Raiders bias in this bias in this game maybe Parra got some dud calls so let's it could have been any other game but I hate when they do it because if it's a 10 day penalty count well maybe your side was uh had ill discipline seven more times than the opposition mm. sometimes there might be genuine weeks where like all oh, right they, they did get dud on a few calls and maybe this is one of them weeks but they always say lopsided penalty counts. Well, it's not going to be 50-50 every time because one team's not going to have the same discipline as the other team mm. every single game. Mm. And so it comes I just, around. I think it's such a cop-out that, oh, lopsided penalty count. Yeah. Well, and, it, and it comes around too. Yeah. Like, you never see a, a never see a coach come out on the winning side and say, we got 10 penalties, they got three. That's yeah. bullshit. And so it's like... Deal with it. Yeah. It, it, even if you were right or you were wrong, unless you're completing at 85% and not missing tackles and not letting tries in. I just, yeah. I thought it was the wrong tack from Brad. I did. And they just, they genuinely just didn't take advantage of the opportunities they had. I thought Parramatta, there was one where they made a break down the right side line. It was the first, second tackle. They keep the ball dead on the full from about 20 metres out. Mm. Yeah. Like, a, like, yeah. Five line breaks to two, Parra had. Plenty of opportunities. Mm. Plenty of opportunities. Uh, yeah, so Eels, in regards to that, they were their own worst enemy. They had, Plenty of chances to win that game. But uh, let's talk about the mighty Raiders first. Now, the Raiders are, what, five on the trot? Mm. <laughs> Jeez, like, first of all, <laughs> stoked. Doesn't shut up about it. No, oh, seriously. 
So Raiders five on the trot. I want to give a, a rap to my man Fogarty. I just think he's been getting better and better each week, more confident, especially, you know, the field goal he gets a win, couple of tries just now. And I think we're starting to see the benefit of combinations playing together for a long period of time. Now, I know Zach Wolford, he went off with a HIR, I think, yeah. did he? Didn't, get, didn't come back on, so he may not be available next week. Danny Levi's due back potentially this week. So. Okay. Oh, that's good. Yeah. That's good. Um, but from, from a Raiders perspective, like, they're just playing... When I watch them, I sit there going, holy, this is, you know, they could run for a premiership. No, but they're so gritty and just brave with their efforts. Every week they make it a battle, and that's just Raiders footy. And maybe not quite, you know, premiership contenders, although we're sort of, we're getting there, we're playing some good footy, but just like last year, going into finals, you could be the best team in the comm. You'd hate to play us. Like, if, yeah. we, if we continue this form, of course. Yeah. Like, it, like it, as we did, and we, we went into the final series last year on fire, town mm. at Melbourne week one, we're gritty in week two of finals, but, yeah, it's looking, looking all right. Mate, I, I, it's just, the good thing for the Raiders is, is you're in a way better position now than you were last year. Like, last year, we were two and seven. And you're sitting there going, oh, my mm. God, we've, we might be fighting for the spoon here. Now you're sitting in the top eight, prepared to strike for the rest of the year. Again, that early part portion of the year is so important because you put yourself in a position, you get a couple of injuries, few players out. <clears throat> On top of all of that, this year, you get to keep Jackie Whiten. Josh Papali'i will probably, if he does get selected, play mm, 20 minutes, minutes. Yep. max 20 minutes. Outside of that, you know, you may get young, Hudson Young. Um, Corey Horsburgh may be a victim of so many players in form. Um, but we've got a lot of forward depth as well. A lot yeah, of Corey forward Howard depth. Corey he can step in and play some decent minutes. Yeah, yeah. So you're really going to get through this origin period, especially with Jackie White and being available quite well. And so, yeah, uh, put my hand up probably six, what was it, four to six weeks ago? Four weeks ago, I said to Guru, I don't think that they'll make the eight. You said you thought they'd still... win five on the trot. Yeah. <laughs> well, you still got a game to go because that was only four weeks ago. Um, and you felt that they st they could make the eight still, only because of what they did last year. Yeah, but I yeah. wasn't confident. I, I wasn't willing to rule them out. Yeah, but I was far from. I didn't think they'd do this. Well, to be fair, like they hadn't done anything to suggest they were going to come good, had they? Like mm. we weren't looking great. And we were coming off that fifty point loss to Penrith, and I mean, we did sit there at the time and go. Penrith are just that good that they'll do this to teams, which we yep. you know, we saw again on the weekend. So, um, I'll be bold and I'll say that still, if I had to put my eight on the table right now, they wouldn't be in my eight. Uh, but it's a very – I'm not confident in that statement. I'm not confident because it's this Raiders side. They're just gritty. Like, I know the Eels are missing Mitchell Moses, but it's still a solid side. That's you, a, you mentioned having Jack White through the origin period now. That could be potentially actually like two wins on the trot for yeah. that period. Absolutely. So like that, you know, maybe that's the difference between finishing eighth and ninth into the mm. year. Uh, Corey Horsburgh, let's talk about the, the big red. Well, one thing I did disagree with Ricky on where is like... Um, <laughs> this is one of his best calls ever, I reckon. <laughs> so he comes out, great win for the club. And then he's like, you know, last week, Latrell Mitchell hit someone in the head, didn't get a penalty, no turn in the bin. Corey Horsburgh does the same thing, <laughs> 10 in the bin. <laughs> And I was like, you know what? Like, Stick loves his players so much <laughs> that he feels that those two incidences were the same. I'm just like, bro, they were very different incidences. They were very different incidences. <laughs> um, what did you? Th who, who stood out for you? And what do you think of the Stick's comments? 
<laughs> I stand by stick. <laughs> I stand by stick, no matter what he stick. says. I love it. I love it. Uh, Hudson Young was outstanding. He had that passage there. He had a second half try. He then had a really key <clears throat> strip at a time mm. where Parra began to wrestle the momentum back a little bit and he took it off him and just... How many big plays does Hutto Young come All up with? Time. And he knows he's in the origin frame. And they come up against Parramatta, who on their day have arguably, or maybe not the best pack in the NRL, but right up there. Mm. And I thought Canberra outplayed their pack. And Hutto Young, as far as an origin trial goes, pretty bloody good. He doesn't get much better than that mm. in regards to wide running forwards. So would he be in the squad for all three of you? Yes, he'd be in my squad without a doubt. Definitely oh, sorry, squad. 17. He'd be in my 17 too, yeah. Yeah, he's in my 17. So. Wow, Hudson Young in a Blues jersey. Does look right. Does look right. Can I have my weekly Matty Timoko update? Yeah. <laughs> Is this the most consistent three weeks of all time? He's so around 9, 10, 11. Um, I'll say them in that order. Line breaks, 2, 1, 1. Um, tackle breaks, 6, 6, 7. Last three weeks, his run meters have been 200, 200, 201. Oh, my oh, God. How wild is that? That is so wild. I mean, what a knock from the big fella. Well, little fella, I should say. He must be – is he strongest pound for pound in the comp? He'd have to be right yeah. up. Because he's not big, eh? No. Nah. He's what, 5'10"? Like he's a tank. Yeah, yeah, but, but he's, he's 5'10"? Yeah. He 183 is. centimetres. Oh, really? That's what so he's six foot. Unless he's written it himself, yep. Yeah. He looks smaller than six foot, don't you reckon? To me, he does, yeah. 96 kilos. Jesus. Oh, I thought he'd be smaller than that. I thought he'd be 5'10", 90 kilos. But that's pretty big, 96 kilos, six foot. Oh, not pretty big. I mean, it's actually it's average size for a footy player. He's played 10 games this year. Four, four tries, four tries, to six line breaks, 48 tackle breaks. Wow. I'm thinking it was five tackle breaks per game. And he's tackling at 92%. And aside as well, that like I've said it before, crying out for a strike outside back. Yeah, yeah. And Timco, he's become that man, hasn't he? Oh, he, he genuinely breaks games open now. And like you've genuinely. got Mr. Reliable on the other edge of Jared Croker, but he's not going to break a game open mm. for you. How good is Croker? <laughs> like, how did this happen? He was done. How many wins on the trot for Croker in a bar? What's the, give us a number. <laughs> I think it's five, I think. <laughs> We're there. <laughs> We're there. No, um... How good was Ricky Stewart's press conference? Obviously, he had the Corey Hall through him, and then like four times he pointed out to the media that Toots is here. You can also talk to him if you would like. Yeah. <laughs> that was unreal. Mate, I just, what a great story and just a reflection of such a good bloke. To, to swallow your pride, you are basically your 250-game veteran. I'm sure they had conversations with him like, mate, it might be time for you to hang her up. St and Sticky said mm? that he came out and said, I'll admit it, like, I was pushing, not pushing for it, but, like, asking questions to Jared about, you know, retirement, getting that injury dispensation, whatever it is, and I don't want to put words in Ricky's mouth, but it was along those lines of, yeah, yeah he, he'd had conversations with him about it yeah. through his injury run. And Croaks just said, no, nah, I'm going to work mm. hard. Which, to Ricky's defence, I think it made complete sense at the time. Yeah, and what I respect about Ricky is he's not lying about having that conversation. Mm. A lot of coaches would never admit to yeah. having that convo privately, but I think we could all agree it's probably all felt that way with, with Croaks. With the amount of injuries he'd had, yeah. you'd be like, mate, you've had such a great career. But no one knows Croker better than Croker. And he has been such a – so solid for them. And I do, I do think – remember when he first got dropped 
and I was talking about the intangibles that he brings to yeah. this side. I think that we're starting to see that. You, he may not have 300 metres, 250 metres, 200 metres, 10 tackle breaks to try, but there's an intangible that he delivers to the Raiders. He's like just covering him behind the line. Whenever there's a kick going behind the line, he'll sweep to the other side of the field and just be there every time. Whenever you, like people, there's a line break and people are scrambling <laughs> to get there, he's always there. Yeah. They're the intangibles where like, well, I mean, the real intangibles are like, what does he bring to this side? Players want to get up for him and play for him as their skipper. Mm. So, I don't want to put the mocker on him, but let's say <laughs> that he gets to his 300th game. Yeah. Three away. Yeah. Hopefully he does. He may, he may not. There's no <laughs> mock here. But surely it'll be against the Tigers if we were to play three on the trot. Tigers at Campbelltown Sports Stadium. Bloke in a bar, live show from Campbelltown. <laughs> Holy shit. I thought you were going to say like a little segment or something on the show on Monday, a whole live show. <laughs> Live oh show from Campbelltown. God, yeah, I think it might be a little bit much, but we'll try and get Croaks in ballpark, something along those lines. <laughs> a live show at Campbelltown. Well, I'll reach out to the Tigers <laughs> and I'll see if they can put us up on the hill there for for a, an away players live show. Um, one of your best there. Uh, anyone else stood out for you guys for the Raiders? I am. I know he didn't play last week. I'm pretty sure it was, but Albert Hopoato. I love the look of him. He's a beast, eh? He's a gun. Yeah. Takes tough carries too. <laughs> loves, like, absolutely loves it. Absolutely loves it. Uh, we've already kind of spoken about the Eels, so we'll just get quickly past this. But um, Jermaine Hopkins scored a try. Don't skip <laughs> You know, we are in round 11. I have had a punt on Hopgood to score a try for the 10 weeks leading up to this <laughs> with Sportsbet. And this is the one week at 9.50 oh. I didn't get no. on. No. It's because you're a dog. That's but, why. Yeah, no, no, I know. I know. You, sh- you should be angry at yourself. No one else. You dogged Hopgood and you got what you deserved. He could feel it in the air. He it felt it. Hurt me a lot. You know what? He felt it and he said, I'm going to show that guru what loyalty really feels like. <laughs> and he's going to score a meaty so you know next time stay loyal to the great Jaman. By the way, you share a birthday with him. How good's that? Yeah, yeah. I do. May 11th. May 11th, the great guru messaged me, said, happy birthday. You share a birthday with Jaman Hookgood. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't say that to Jermaine. Just said happy birthday to him. <laughs> yeah, just happy birthday with a picture of him smiling and actual present. No present for me. Um no, no. Uh, look, back to the Eels. Uh, disappointing performance. Um, I mean, I thought Dylan Brown had some moments where he looked like he was going to get him back into the side, into the game. Uh, but there's not really much to say. It was just that they had more line breaks. Um, you know, Hopgood obviously got through a bunch of work, but they just didn't. I mean, the loss, the loss of Sean Lane is quite dramatic for them because he's so part of that grand final push. He hadn't, uh, like, in his defence, Lane, he, you know, come back from a lengthy enough injury, but it was a broken jaw. Mm. He hadn't looked terrific this season. Like, mm. he certainly wasn't anything close to, like, last year was such a career year for Sean Lane where he was in that origin conversation. Mm. Because he was such a focal point of their attack on that left edge, you were sort of hoping he could come in and they'd rediscover that form, but he wasn't quite there. So now a hammy injury... It's going to set him back again. He'll be gone for at least a few weeks, you'd imagine, that left edge. And I thought 
maybe I'm being a little bit critical on Dylan Brown, but we sort of spoke about last week how he was going to go with Mitch out Mitch Moses there. I would have liked him to step up and taking control of that bit the side a bit more than he did. How mm. do you boys feel about him? I think I think that he's like told not to though. Yeah, okay. Like I reckon plays the five eight still. Plays the five eight still. Yeah. But I mean, look, if he's been told to and he isn't, then I 100 yeah. percent agree with you because he still ran for 140 meters, um, had a try assist. Uh, he had 13 runs. A try assist, 19 tackles. He had five runs after about 55 minutes, I think it was, and he sort of, towards the back end of the game, he started trying to assert himself a bit more, which is good. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I said, maybe I'm being a little bit critical on him, but I was sort of hoping to be the game without Moses where he stepped up and went bang on Well, he is the next guy up. Like, yeah. you know, I, I don't think it's too critical at all. I think that if, <clears throat> if you're looking for a guy in the spine, like, he's the next guy up. Now, again, if he's being told by Brad Arthur, you know, let Jacob lead the team around yeah. and you just play the same role as you normally play, then then fair enough. Uh, this story starts and finishes with Tim not being happy with his supercoach score, by the way. Let's call it as it is. Okay. Hey, he's been very good to me this season dealing with the supercoach, <laughs> so it's not fair. Um, <laughs> the Josh Hodgson hands situation. Where are we at with that? Is 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 hands sorry, is um Hodgson being unfairly kind of maligned for bad form for the Eels, or do you think that there is a bit of a... I actually thought, and this is a standalone game, the conversation around it all season, yeah, there's, you know, genuine like arguments, say, hands maybe, plays a few more minutes, but I thought in this game alone, Hodjo brought a lot of energy in this one, particularly early on. It was obviously the first game back in Canberra against his old club. I thought he brought a lot early on in this game. Mm. Yeah, I thought he looked good, but I do think it's a standalone I yeah. still, I still like hands. Like hands, yeah. All right, I'm, um, I am, to, in my opinion, like last year, I stuck with the eels through and through. I'm not in the same space with them this year. I'm actually a bit concerned about them this year. Come get in, Parramatta fans. Leave me alone. <laughs> after it. No, no, I, I'm a bit concerned. They don't look like. There's just something missing. There's something missing, and they've had a hard start to the season for sure. But that extra punch, that, like, when you really look at what they've lost, Corfusi, um, Papali'i, uh, Reed Marnie. Now, I know other teams have lost key players, but I just think that the Para haven't really been able to replace mm. them. Now that Sean Lane has been injured, so got to give him credit there, but I do think that they haven't been as fortunate as other clubs in replacing these players yet. Like, we're hitting round 12 at the moment, and we're still unsure whether Hodgson's minutes are too much, too little, not enough. You know, so I'm a bit um, The centres still worry me weekly. Well, Pensini, I love Pensini, but the other side, yep. unfortunately, it's just... With Lane gone now, Mato probably goes back to an edge. Yeah. They lose a bit more through the middle. We've mm. already got RCG out, so... Yeah, I just, I don't know. They don't fill me with as much confidence that, that they can just definitely get up for the big games as they did last year. Whereas last year, I just, you just knew that when they wanted to, they'll turn it on. Whereas this year, I'm, uh, I'm a bit concerned. Take on South this week. If, if they lose that one, I'll be very worried about them. Mm. Give them one. I mean, I know they haven't been great all season, but no Mitchy Moses, obviously, their go to player. So. Oh, yeah, for this game specifically, yeah, you yeah, can yeah, look to yeah, it. But, but I think from a season's perspective, like this sitting... 14th. 14th Jeez. right now. And oh, I'll reserve judgment, but I definitely am concerned. I definitely am concerned. Um, now, on to 
the store shoutouts. We'll uh, we'll Goog, we'll Goolga, uh, Beach Drive Through Bottle Shop. Great supporters of bloke beers. Always available opposite the caravan park by the main beach. Thirsty Camel Bottle Shop in Ipswich. Josh and Falvey's are one of the best supporters of bloke. Tweed Head Sellers in Benora uh, Point. Grab some bloke lager on Tweed and now stocking new bloke midi. That's Tweed Head Sellers and also, as I said, Thirsty Camel Bottle Shop in Ipswich. Big shout out to all local liquor members. Ask your favourite local liquor outlet if they'll stock bloke in a bar lager or see if they can get some in for you. That's all local liquors. Head in, ask politely. Hey, could you grab some bloke lager? Order some in. Uh, Aussie World Pub on Sunny Coast at Caloundra Turnoff uh, at Caloundra, at the Caloundra Turnoff. Fantastic celebration superstore with heaps of ice cold, ice cold bloke ready for you. Big fish celebrations just off the Bruce Highway. Crafty Fox Ale House Hawthorne, Gumdale celebrations, Camp Hill celebrations, Crafty Fox Ale House Hawthorne, Hawthorne celebrations in Grave Drive-Through Bottle Shop in Grange Drive-Through Bottle Shop. Knights defeat the Titans, forty-six twenty-six. Um, well, this is a really great contest until it just looked like the Titans completely. They just completely look frazzled. Like it was like all of a sudden, the last 20 minutes, they completely lost concentration and just fell out of the game. Whereas the Knights, uh, they almost looked ruthless compared to the Knight, uh, compared to the Titans. Uh, Caleb Ponga was outstanding. What a great win for the club. And once again, you have to give Adam O'Brien some credit here. We're talking about a team that's been absolutely peppered and under the pump with injuries, superstars being, you know, moved position. But at the end of the day, right now, at the start of the season, if you said that they'd be sitting 11th and one win outside the eight, you'd say that's a, that's a successful season. Add in everything bad that's happened, I think they deserve a bit of credit. For sure. Um, <clears throat> I agree with you, the Titans. I don't know, just when they came out in the second half, it just it just fell apart so quickly, didn't it? It was bizarre. It was just like seriously it fell off bizarre. a cliff all of a sudden. Mm. Um, you know, the the knockout blow was obviously that uh that, that Dane Gagai try where to his credit, I think Kieran Foran he's very good at <coughs> getting penalties in mm. those situations. Didn't go his way this time, but most of the time he does get them spot on and earns his side a penalty. But uh yeah, just the way it fell off in the second half, just that way the left edge just cut him up. Mm. You had Marshu, Best, KP, all down that left edge that scored, and they just God, it's a good, it's a good edge to watch play footy when they're on. Oh, when they're on, they're just so they're almost unstoppable. Like I, I almost felt sorry for the right edge of the Titans because it's just mm. like once KP, as you always say, once he gets flat and fast and he's going over the advantage line, he's just impossible mm. to stop. Man, Bradman Best with a double, big angry Best come back from Bali, filthy. Didn't this game just? Deliver everything we'd hoped for. It was this awesome game to watch. Thirteen tries in it, <laughs> and like you expected nothing less, did you? I got on punting play. The overs, the the line was like forty five points or something. I was like, it's the safest bet I've made in my entire <laughs> life. It was when you're doing your tipping each week. Like we're seeing the impact of teams coming off the bye. They're just like, right, the NRL is so gruelling on the body. Mm. Week to week, it takes it out of you. When you get a fresh side, it just goes a long, long way. The, the record this year of teams off the bye is really positive. So, you know, maybe you could give uh, Titans a bit of benefit of the doubt there. But, yeah, two great attacking displays. Defence, as I said, probably what we expected. But, yeah, good win the 90s. 
Shout out to Bradman Best too. Obviously copped a bit in the media last week and whatnot. Deservingly or not, I'll let you guys decide that. But great to see him bounce back with <coughs> two tries and just a strong game all round. Yeah. Greg Marju, he is an absolute problem mm. for defences. In attack, obviously got that crazy try. Like he had no right whatsoever to score <sighs> that try. No right. He had 12 tackle breaks. <laughs> 12 tackle breaks. <laughs> Seriously, it is incredibly out of line break. Um, he's been such a good pickup for them. I, I understand like Dom Young and Greg Marju, we always talk about their shortcomings in regards to, yeah, but you've got to give them raps as well. And like they've both impacted games so many times for the club. Mm. And I don't think that what is frustrating, I think, if you are a fan of Marju or Dom Young, every time they get a compliment, it's always with a but. Yeah. yeah. And I do think you need to give them some, I think we all need to give them a bit of appreciation for, like, they're impacting games much more than most wingers in the competition right now. Isn't it crazy? I, I felt like watching yesterday, Gagai, Best and Ponga were untouchable. They combined for a grand total of eight tackle breaks. Marshu had 12. Oh, no, the the kick that for the first try of the game, oh. I believe it was, for Dom Young that Hastings put up, as soon as he kicked it, I was just like, oh, not the play, not the play. I'm like, easily batted away or knock him or contest yeah. or whatever. Dom Young had no right to score from there. So good. It was like so athletic of him, wasn't yeah. it? I'll give you a stat on tackle breaks. So of all the players that have played more than five games this year, on average, Knights have three of the top four players on tackle breaks per game. So Greg Mars is winning on 8.3, then Lockie Miller on 7.3, then Dylan Edwards, then Dane Gagler. Wow. Gee. Wow. I mean, yeah, as I said, if you took away all the negative and they were sitting where they were sitting, you'd still say it was a good year. Uh, I've got to say, Hastings has been in the media from a form perspective really quiet. Like, you haven't been hurt. It hasn't been the Hastings show. But, geez, doesn't it just show you how important a good ball playing seven that just gets you around the park is look there's no way that the Newcastle Knights are in any of these games that he's playing unless they had a guy like Hastings just steering him around if they had stuck with what was going on before it just would have been a nightmare now is it a fair swap for what they ended up um oh no that was a different swap it was Lockie Miller now Hastings and Ponga what's good about them right now is they haven't played much footy together so I'd assume it's only going to get better yep uh, what was really interesting from the weekend, though, with KP back at six playing, you know, a lot of minutes, and this may be just a purely coincidence, but Lockie Miller had probably his quietest, not probably, he definitely had his quietest game of the whole season. 13 runs, uh, 113 metres, still five tackle breaks, which is outstanding. Um, defensively, definitely needs quite a bit of work, um, Lockie Miller. But I wonder how long that, because, like, the combination, this is, this is the situation that the Knights are in. Ponga, Hastings haven't played together, essentially. Locker, Lockie Miller hasn't played with Ponga. Phoenix Crossland is a, a a makeshift nine, and yet they're still getting wins on the board. Add on top of that, within two or three weeks, Adam Elliott, he's always been their first choice 13. He hasn't been there much at all. Yep. So then you throw in another member of their spine, if you want to include Lock in it. Newcastle have done very, very well to be where they are. They've yeah. done incredibly well to be where they are, and... I noticed yesterday, uh, you, you already mentioned um, um, Jackson Hastings, but like I noticed that on his, on the strapping on his arm, he's had one word there and it was just compete. Mm. That's what Newcastle is just all about at the moment. Yeah. When, when you said before, Tim, when you started your sentence, you said, what about that kick? I straight away thought the Kalen Ponga grubber to Tyson Frizzell. 
Oh, yeah. You can't yeah, defend that. Yeah. You cannot so defend good. it. To get from dummy half and show one under and then drop it on his right foot and just cut, like, it cannot be defended. Yeah, you've got to pre-read it yep. pretty much as a winger. Like, you've got to be like, oh, Caelan Pong is getting out of dummy half here. Like, something's on here. And that kick was so perfect, you could have pre-read it and still missed it. Yeah, It was sure. perfection. For just, sure. Just need now, 90s, please back it up. Yeah. Back up the performance. Like, they had that – there's a good win over the Warriors – then there was the, the real gritty loss to the Panthers. Then you're like, all right, let's go and beat the Cowboys. Got done there, that's fine. But then para partner with that abysmal performance. Quite good on the weekend. Back it up against the Sharkies, 3 p.m. Coffs Harbour that game's at. Yep. Uh, you just want to see him compete again and start stringing them together. Yeah. Is, is the uh, debate put to bed around KP fullback Queensland after that? Is it, or, um, or is it still him v Walsh? What, how do you say it? Oh, I think after that, definitely KP. As long as he gets through this next game. He's available, yeah. Uh, sweet. Like, he looked confident. He looked electric. Yeah, I think KP fit. It's not even a debate as to who gets his spot, in my opinion. And just having, having a look further down the track, if, if they do, you know, manage to put up a win against the Sharkies this week, they take on Manly the week after, who's going to be without Chez, potentially without Turbo, maybe without Olakawatu at Newcastle Sunday afternoon. So, mm. yep. into a bye. Um, so yeah, great stuff. Great stuff for the Knights. It, it's just it's just racking up wins. That's what it really is about for them. Like just putting wins together. Wait till they get their full um, squad back. Adam Elliott fit again. Ponga building the combinations with Justin Hastings, Lockie Miller. I am surprised that they let go of Randall because Randall's going really well at the Titans. Um, he would have been good to have at the club right now. Uh, All I do things considered, Crossland has. He's done a job for like, Oh, for he, he sure. Great 40 20 in the weekend, playing massive minutes. Yeah. As I said, long term solution. It's not him, but yeah. he's having a crack. I also think, as good as Randall would have been, if KP's playing his best footy and you've got Marshu on that left edge, I'm, a, I'm okay with the trade. As in um, Lockie Miller for the young gun. Oh, no, sorry. Oh, I meant right. the Marshu for Chris Randall one. Oh, the Marshu for yeah. Chris. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I'm, yeah. I'm okay with that trade. I, the only trade that I'm still a bit unsure on is the Miller for that yeah, young front rower. Yeah. Yeah, no, for sure. But, yeah, I think Newcastle definitely heading in the right direction. No doubt about that. Um, yeah, I'm excited to see where they, where they finish up this year. Mm, sure. Now to the Titans. Um, thoughts on the Titans, boys? I thought they'd... Turned a corner. Yep. <laughs> this is right back to the Titans that I was going to say we know and love, but we don't love this about the Titans. We, we know that they can be a good defensive side, but they just fell off a cliff here in this one. And this this feels like back to last year where, you know, they'd they'd hang in a game because of Fafita just being a, a lab project of a footballer. Mm. And it felt like that once again. Um <coughs> Titans, they, I think they've been really good the last few weeks. I've been really impressed with them. Did feel like they'd turned a corner. So I'm happy to give them another week or two to see how they go. But very, very disappointed with that performance on the Titans. Yeah, super disappointing. Just the way they dropped off in the end there. Like they were in the game. The game was there to be won and they just completely dropped off. And I'm disappointed for them because they'd built so well. It's a perfect way to put it. Yeah. You know, like they'd gone... It almost all the negative feedback they'd gotten and they'd gone, no, no, we aren't that side anymore. And I'm not saying that they definitely are that side now because of one game, but this is very similar to what we've seen from the Titans over the last few years. A couple of good games together, we go, oh, okay, they're here. And then boom, they let themselves down and they put in a performance like that, 69% completion rate. Um, and as I said, it was just that, especially the last 20 minutes, like they just completely 
lost concentration. And it was like a joint. Everyone did. Just heads were off. Yeah. Timmy, what do you think? Yeah, 46 points to the Knights. Like they've got comfortably the worst defensive record in the NRL. 26.9 per game. That's mm. a lot of points. Yeah. And just disappointed that we're back to this conversation where, you know, I mentioned the Knights. We need to see them put them back to back. We saw the Titans do it for a few weeks, but to concede 46 points, like I'm... I, I've got a soft spot for them because they play such an entertaining style of play. I really like their roster. I love Foz and what Fafita's doing this year, but just disappointed to see that, that performance come out of them. Yeah. 46 points, just not good enough. Like, Especially if you... I mean, last week they were sitting in the eight, I'm pretty sure. Mm. They were. They were sitting in the eight. And it's, it's not like, with no knock on the Knights, it's, if Penrith did it to you or the Bunnies, you're like, oh, these teams are elite attackers, but the Knights to put 46 on you... Yeah, it's so it's now the Titans, they're on equal points to the Warriors, but they're outside the eight on four and against. And the Knights are, it's so bizarre how this year has been because up until this weekend, you'd say the Titans have had a successful year and you'd say the Knights have had this year from hell and yet one point separates mm. them, literally one point. Uh, but yeah, with the Titans, I just, I don't know what else to say because... Titans fans get frustrated with us because we talk about the defense all the time. But unfortunately, this game, like, when you leak 46 points against a team that isn't really known as an attacking powerhouse, you have to say it like it is. And it's their defense. They just sometimes... They had two games where they refused to give up and they enjoyed the grind and all the tough stuff that comes with rugby league. And whereas this game, it just felt like when the grind was about to hit, they just went... We'd rather score more points than you than out-defend you. And we can sit here and wrap their attack. We know they can attack. They've been able to attack the last five years, but we've wanted to see defence and then this happens, so it's hard. Shout-out to Mo Fodawaka. Put in another shift on the weekend. I thought he was very good. I I don't know if he makes the Queensland side <coughs> simply because you've got so many forwards to pick from, but I think he's playing better now than when he got selected for Queensland a couple of years ago. He's playing some great footy, some really good footy. Obviously, Dave Fafida, speak about him every week now. Talk about Mr. Consistent. For him to make take that intercept and cleanly outrun <laughs> wingers, fullbacks, centers, it is genetically impossible. It should be impossible a bloke that big and strong is that fast. Unbelievable. Mate, for, for a back row to, like, to even catch that kick, that was coming at him in a million, yeah. million miles an hour. He had a split second to do it. And but as soon as he took his first step, no one was ever catching him. Yeah, like he just, boom, gone. Yeah. And Lockie Miller... He's a small fullback. So <laughs> it's not like he's a, you know, a big Charlie Mitt, and Charlie Mitt probably would have caught him, but that's a small fullback chasing him. And you could see on Miller's face by about the 40 meter line, he went, shit. <laughs> I'm not going to be able to catch him. I'm never going to get closer than this. Which is we, like shocking. And we talk about, I know we talk about it every week, but I, I really enjoy talking about it because we've wanted to see it for so long. But the four and impact on Fafida, and we sort of said, coming into the season, and all last year that the Titans used Fafida so poorly, was there a better example of using Fafida than that first drive is where Foles just oh. brings him underneath him late, full steam ahead, and gets him one-on-one -on -one with Lockie Miller. It's like Frizzell slightly overcommitted, so he got his sort of essentially a one-on-one -on -one with yeah. Miller. And I just went, oh, that was so good to, to watch. That is the definition of how you should use yeah. Fafida. And that's what's so frustrating about this game for the Titans because for 40 minutes or even 50 minutes, you're going, 
even if they lost the game, you'd be like, I, I don't care that they lost the game. Like they're showing grit. They're using their players the right way. They should be using them. But it just, it just all went out the door for that last twenty or so, twenty or thirty minutes. Uh, so, as I agree with you, Guru, though, in regards to they've been so good for a couple of weeks now, I'm willing to just go. Yes, this is a repeat of what we've seen before, but I hope that this team is is different. To what I, I do think this team is different. I do think I still believe that this team is will, will uh, react more quickly than a Titans team of yesteryear. Um, it's just a really disappointing performance. Just a really disappointing performance. Anything else with the Titans, boys? All good, mate. No. Over to the Titans. We'll see how they respond. Yep. Now, Manly v the Sharks. Manly get up twenty to fourteen. Uh, like this, I actually think the score doesn't really reflect how dominant the Sharks were. I thought the Sharks dominated most of the game. I will say though that from a Sharks perspective, a little bit disappointing that they weren't ruthless to just put the game away because it should have been put away. Uh, Manly showed a bit of fight, but I'm definitely concerned about Manly. They don't look anywhere near the side that they looked at the start of the year. Um, they look a bit disjointed. They Their forward pack, the, the, the forward pack that took it to the storm doesn't look anywhere near the forward pack that we saw yesterday. Um, the positives for the Sea Eagles is DC continues to you know play his ass off. I thought Garrick was really good for the Seagulls. Um, the Sharkies, Nico Hines once again in everything. I thought Jesse Ramian had some really good moments as well. Some really strong defence, some great one-on-one tackles on his line. Uh, so a bit of a mixed bag. Like, great to get a win away from home, but probably should have been a bit more ruthless to Sharkies. What do you reckon, Guru? It's, uh, it's a weird game. I'm, I think both teams improved out of sight from last week. Not saying a heap about Manly, but the, I thought that game last week against Brisbane was dreadful. I thought the Sharks were pretty ordinary against the Dolphins, but I'm still not overly impressed with mm. both sides. Yeah, Manly, that they should be a better side than what they are. And I agree with you, mate. The Sharkies, I, I think that should be their, their sole focus throughout the entire year that we're not a team that concedes easy points. Mm. I, think toward, I think that was a classic game where at halftime, they, Fitzgibbon, I, I imagine, would have said to them, keep them to zero. Mm. Yeah. This is where we can start to make statements because that's... You know, they're, they're similar to the Titans in that we know they can attack. We know what they can do with the ball. It's, it's defensively that we need to see it. And they're nowhere near as poor defensively as the um, Gold Coast Titans. Oh, but <clears throat> the Sharkies are in the premiership conversation. And if you're going to win a premiership, you've got to out-defend the Panthers. Mm. Yeah, it's a good point to make in regards to we're talking about premiership contenders here yep. right now. We're not talking about a team that's lucky to be in the A. We think the Sharkies could potentially win a comp this year. Um, but... I guess a win away at Brookie, you can't snub your nose at that. It's, yeah, not, a, it's yep. not a bad thing. What do you reckon about the Sharkies, Timmy? Yeah, I said, like it. They got the job. You're spot on in saying that the, the scoreline probably wasn't a reflection of the Sharkies' dominance in this game. They bounced back from a poor performance. You know, not overly impressive, but, you know, after conceding so many points the week before, I think to only concede 14 at, at, over at Brookie, uh, I was. A decent enough performance, and yeah, I'll, I'll, that'll be all right. Yeah. Uh, if I was the Sharkies fans, I'd be like, tick, satisfactory, mm. on to the next. But I wouldn't be sitting here going, it, it, wouldn't, it didn't sit me, that, like, I wasn't watching that game going, wow, Sharkies are on the level of Rabbitohs, Penrith Panthers right now. They could get there. I think they've got the roster too. And I think when they're on, they are so good to watch. Maybe one of the best clubs in the, te- the, mm. the whole tournament to watch. 
Um, the whole the tournament. whole tourney. Jesus Christ, the tourney. We're doing tourney now. The whole league to watch. Um, standouts for you guys. Britain Nicola. He was absolutely phenomenal. Jesus, isn't he coming into his own? That line that he hits and the aggression which he defends at, it is just so good to watch. Winger line breaks. Oh, mate. Winger line breaks. Streaking down the Streaking down outside Tom Dravojevic. You're going to tell his kids that. (laughs) I guess Tom Dravojevic. I thought, yeah, Nicola was great. Nico Hines, obviously, in everything. I thought Cam McInnes got through a a mountain of work. Far out, he loves it, doesn't he? Jeez, he... Bloody rips and tears. I thought um, Katoa was tremendous as well. Yeah, some of his acrobats and that. Oh. Flipping in and out of tackles, stepping mm. blokes. When he made that catch or whatever, then he stepped inside Tom. Oh, I mean, he, he must is. be so hard to mark. Oh, my God. Seriously. Seriously. Uh, I thought, actually, there were some good signs from Matty Moylan. I thought he ran the ball a little bit more. Mm. And actually, and obviously he's getting more confident in his body as he plays more footy. I actually like that from Manny Moreland, just adding that to his game rather than being the guy that's always going to pass it. Uh, anyone else stand out for you, boys? Yeah, he, he, he ran for 100 metres, Moiser. Yeah, I know. And I really yeah. noticed it in the game. I was like, fuck, Moiser. 39 runs between the two halves. Crazy, eh? Oof, oof. Crazy. Um, who else stood out for you guys for the Sharkies? I mean, it just... Like, he had a solid enough performance, but I just love seeing Connor Tracy down at a level. He was good. He just comes in and no matter what, like can cover so many different positions and every time he does, he slots in seamlessly. Yeah. It's a good, good shout. I really did like uh, Connor Tracy back. I loved when they you saw them actually just shift Royce Hunt just out of the middle, just not, not play him on an edge, but just have him a little bit wider and just get him one-on-one. Mm. He's got like Andrew Fafita sort of type ability, Royce the choice. So I think they need to utilise him more like that. Mm. If you get him one-on-one, it's over. He's so big and so Huge. strong. Well, and that there was one tackle, I think, did he score on Olakawatu? Yes. And I was like, ooh, that is, Freddie would be watching that. And that's like one thing that obviously, and it's one tackle, it seems, it seems so unfair to Olakawatu, but in origin, like, yeah. one tackle is everything. Yep. Everything. And to fall, just completely fall off that, it's, it's a big deal in origin. Like, you just is. can't. Especially when you think about the guys he's competing with. Like, mm. I don't think a Hudson falls off that. I don't think mm. a Liam Martin falls off that. So, um, and as you said, it's one tackle and it's harsh, but it's what Origin's about. And that's, you know, that's a compliment to him being in the Origin chat. For sure. One of the best back rolls in the comp. You just, look, you can, he can get an offload or he could drag you, but to completely fall off the tackle like that, I think he completely fall off the tackle yep. if I recall correctly. Um, those, they're the one moments you just, like, you just can't have him. That's one of those ones where you can say, oh, like, he wasn't helped by the defence around him, which I completely agree for with. For sure. DC got past him, 100%. But it's one-on-one, you got to make it. Yeah, for you're sure. you to play Origin in two weeks' time, you got to make it. And that's where it's like, if let's say he made it and then Royce Hunt got an offload, you'd be like, oh, okay, mm. all good. And you're right, DC rushing up outside him definitely didn't help him. But it's just that one tiny thing that Origin selectors might go, oh, I'm like, if that happens in origin, like that's six points. That's six points, and it's a one-on-one tackle. It's, I sound we're, we're the biggest Olakowatu fans. It sounds so unfair to say it, but it's just when you're at that top top tier level, they look at every everything. Yeah. Um, anyone else stand out for you for the Sharkies? No, just a good team performance. I think just getting the job mm-hmm. done. Um, all right, on to Manly. Uh, I will say though, last week 
the only bloke that looked dangerous against the Broncos was Olakowatu, you know. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, on to Manly. Oh man. Um, as I said, thought Garrick was great. Thought DC was great. I thought Paseca had moments. Croker had moments, but oh, I'm a bit worried about Manly, to be honest. I'm a bit worried about them this year. It mm. just their, their best game is so far from their not so good games. It's concerning. Just on Olaquatu too. I mean, like did miss that tackle and whatnot. Still to his credit, 150 meters. He topped the game for post contact meters, so it wasn't a train wreck. But it is just that one thing. That's what that's I mean. Really important. Yeah. It's it's honestly sounds so harsh, so ridiculous when you look at his stats. You go, are you boys serious? Look like how good of a game he had. But that's what the the selectors look at. Yeah. Especially coming into Origin, it's like that split second, split yeah. second. And it's not to say that means he won't. I would still. Um, depending on Martin and all these other things, I would still potentially have him on the bench. And I think he's been that good, but it is just a big moment. It's also, if you missed it on halfway, that's different to a metre out. On your line. Oh, I mean, yeah, Royce Hunt is so fucking big though. Yeah. Uh, What do you guys think about Manly? Improvement on last week, uh, but still a long way off where they want to be. And for me, mate, the talking point was Tommy Turbo. Mm. We said watching him at, at Magic Round last week. When he was playing, when he was just walking around the field, he just didn't look himself and looked far from himself in this game to the point that they had him defending on the wing at one point. Doesn't look good. Yeah, and he, and he tried to start the game and inject himself quite early. He took a, quite a few runs. But, yeah, like him defending on it's the sting. It's not like a trying. Yeah, not like trying. Him, him defending on the sting, that was shocking to me. I was like, what, what, what? He wouldn't be tired, would he? I wouldn't think so. I really hope I have egg on my face and this backfires, but you couldn't pick him for the Blues, I don't think. Yeah, I'll look like, right I'm, now. I'm so happy to say because if I do look like a dickhead in three weeks' time, he's killed it for the Blues, so I'm not sweet. I'll yeah. cop that. But, jeez. I just... He just doesn't look like he could stride out. That's mm. the problem. Like, you've got to stride out in origin. You can't... How could you... Does it, even if it was, like, Andrew Johns and he couldn't stride out... I mean, you probably select him because it's a different position, but an outside back, if it was, say, Greg Inglis, and he couldn't stride out and he hadn't played well all year. Well, like a Joey or, it, you know, a number of halves could, even Nathan Cleary, let's say. Could steer they, it they, around, you know, They I can guess. steer around and play an origin in a dinner suit and, like, just get around the park and kick well. Yeah. But, you know... You're an outside back. You run the ball. So on SEN this morning, whilst this show was being recorded, Brandy was on SEN, and he said last week at training, he ran at 80% speed, which was the fastest he's run since January. So that's a wow. pretty telling stuff. There you go. Can you, can you really select someone that can only run 80%, 80% at the moment? And he's clearly doing it. He's being told by the higher-ups. <clears throat> change your running gait mm. so that you're not going to have hammy injuries for the rest of your career kind of thing. Man, surely I reckon Tommy w- is, would have the conversation. He'd be able to tell Freddie whether he's sweet or not. Yeah, but <clears throat> like, is he not having these conversations at Manly? No, but like with Origin, I'm sure he would go, I'm not ready for Origin right now. I'm not that fit. Whereas at Clubland, like they'd make the argument that your 80% is better than your replacement. Whereas your 80% is not better than Campbell Graham or in form whoever right the centre might be. And, and also the pace of the game in mm. Origin too. It's so sure, quick. big time. Um, <clears throat> man, I, 
I feel so sorry for him. I mean, just you can see the weight of the world is on his shoulders and he's trying as hard as he can, but his body is just... Hopefully, this is some early pain and he does change his running gait. And then next year, we see him just hit his straps again and we're just going, wow, wow. Uh, anyone else in regards to Manly? Anything else in regards to Manly? Yeah, so the rhetoric with Manly is always, oh, you know, how do they go if no Tommy Trebojevic? Can they win without him? How about the last six games? So Jake Trebojevic has missed six games for Manly in the last two seasons. The results in that time, 20-14 to 14 against the Manly lost. Lost to Brisbane 32-6 last year. 21-20 to the Dogs. 48-6 to the Raiders. These are all losses. 40-6 against the Sharks. And 20-6 against the Dragons. Wow, yeah. And he didn't six play against lo- the Broncos either, did he? No. So his last six games... Manly's last six games without him in the last two years have all been quite significant losses. So, Jake Javoyevich, when you're missing a bloke who makes 45 to 50 tackles in the middle and plays those big minutes and hardly misses one and, you know, can generate momentum through his defence, which Mm. is something that not a lot of players in the NRL can do Mm. as effectively as him, shows the impact he has on that side. Does it make the defeat look not as bad without Jake Javoyevich, 20 to 14? Does it soften the blow? I think it's showing how how important he is, how good a player he is for starters, yeah. and how important he is to that side. So softens it a little bit. But I, also, I reckon it doesn't soften it because the Sharks are missing probably three their three best props in Hamilton Ueli, Toby Rudolph, Oregon Kafusi, and they're also missing Sifat Talakar. Yeah, good point. Good point, Matty. Uh, so I hate it when he does that. Yeah. <laughs> he said he was on today. He finally, finally showed it. It took four hours. Um, <laughs> yeah, so anyway, bit of a... Not that much to take out of this game, in my opinion, from yeah. both sides. But a win's a win for Sharkies, and Manly need to start winning to get back in the uh, top eight. Now, let's get on to tips. Broncos v Panthers. Broncos at the moment, 275. Panthers, 145. What are you going, boys? Penrith. Panthers. Penrith. Ah, Broncos. <laughs> Broncos, St. George Dragons, Illawarra Dragons versus the Roosters. St. George, Illawarra, three bucks. Roosters, $1.39. So you were tipping them for a second. Uh, Roosters. <laughs> Roosters. 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 And I think they bounce back in a big, big way after that. I mean, yeah. if they don't, it is because, like, you've gone Cowboys dominate, dominated you, Panthers dominated you. If they don't, it is yeah. absolutely on alarm bells. We'll be interesting, though, if the Dragons do get a new coach during the week. See how the players respond. Yeah. Yeah. When there's a new coach coming, I feel like so often the first game they get up yeah, for. they get up for it. Uh, South Sydney Rabbitohs versus the Eels. Bunnies. Bunnies. South and it's Indigenous around this week. The South boys usually live for that. Yeah. Well, love Indigenous round. Six. Yeah, love Indigenous round. Uh, Sharkies night. I'm going bunnies. Sharkies nights. Uh, Sharkies. Sharkies. Sharks. Yeah, I'm going Sharkies. Tigers. Cowboys. Cows. Jeez. I am going to go the Tigers. Oh, Timmy, I'm with you. I'm going yeah. Tigers. Oh, the Tigers have been actually quite... I mean, if they completed high. Um, Take them. Go on, Cowboys. Dolphins storm. <laughs> I don't even want to tip against the Dolphins. because oh, no. Oh, my God. Off the bye as well. Yeah. yeah. Um, what are you going, boys? I'm going to go the storm. Yeah, I'm going storm, but Dolphins every chance. Yeah, yeah I'm going Dolphins. I'm going Dolphins, mm. especially because, like, they have so many former storm players and they're at home and they're off I'm the going bye. Dolphins. Going Dolphins. Uh, Canterbury Bulldogs versus the Titans. I'll take the Titans to bounce back. 
Um, where are we at in Sydney? Sunday Arvo day game. Uh, I'll go Titans. Yeah, Titans. Oh, so you've all gone Titans? Yeah. Oh, Doggy's got so many injuries. Um, I'll go Doggies. I'll go Doggies. Raiders, Seagulls. Uh, Raids for me. I'm going Raids. I think... Yeah, I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> Raiders. Yeah, I'm going to go Raiders. Raiders. It that's me. <laughs> That's tipping. Thanks to Sportsbet. Obviously, gamble responsibly. Uh, you win some, but you lose more. But if you're going to have a punt, you do with Sportsbet. They're the best in the business. Uh, as usual, got beers and break-evens at 3 p.m. on Wednesday. <laughs> <laughs> 3 p.m. Wednesday, yep. See you there. And I'll go and fuck myself. <laughs> What are you really gambling with? For free and confidential support, visit gamblinghelponline.org.au.